0: NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topic Sound Off at 10. Now uh, we're going to start off in our first half hour talking about uh, the latest short track news. We'll follow that up with a review of the ARCA West at Portland International Raceway and then the ARCA Menard series along with the Sioux Chief Showdown at the Coin Fairgrounds Review and we'll close this half hour out with the ARCA East update. Uh, starting at 9 o'clock, we're going to offer some updates from the truck series, a very brief uh, update on the truck series. Uh, they're on break still. They'll be back at Kansas. After that, we're going to review the Xfinity Series at Darlington Raceway. And before the half hour is out, we're going to start the interview, the media interview, with the number 43 winning NASCAR Cup Series team. Uh, now, that's going to include... The driver Eric Jones, along with the crew chief David Elens and the competition director Joey Cohen, from Petty GMS Racing. After that, uh, we will close up our third half hour with the review of the NASCAR uh, Cup Series at Darlington. At ten o'clock, it is our hot topic sound off with the Band for Racing crew, and we've got another full house tonight there tonight. So joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Sal Ciala. Welcome to the show, Sal.
1: Oh, thank you, Sharon. Good evening.
0: Yes, indeed. And just on a programming note, Sal is also going to be our co-host for Thursday night's show. And then next week we'll have Jay Huseman for both the Monday night show and the Thursday night show. So thank you, Sal, for uh, filling in.
1: Oh, yeah, not a problem. You know, any time I can, when I can, you know, I don't mind helping. Right.
0: Okay, well, we appreciate it. Okay, let's go ahead and get started with the uh, short track news. Uh, we'll start with uh, the information at Racing America. Uh, they have a lot of information there. There's a racetrack revival news summary if you'd like an update of what has taken place at uh, North Wilkesboro for the racetrack revival. You can get that summary there. Uh, they've also got a uh, piece here about North Wilkesboro had Twitter buzzing, and I believe that that, that doesn't surprise me, so.
1: Oh, no, it It shouldn't. I mean, uh, <laughs> let's see, we're at Race in America right now. Okay, here we go, News. Right. Okay, had to get on there
0: yeah north so at uh, North Wilkesboro had twitter buzzing uh that was huge to know that we were going back to racing there uh this year. <laughs> My understanding though is that uh they they they're showing a lot of the tweets uh and photos that were put up from North Wilkesboro Speedway. And my understanding, Sal, is that they're, when the season is over, they're going to do some renovations at North Wilkesboro. We might not see them in 2023, but they're looking to come back again in 2024.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. The all the how big the um, the, the, the crowd was that was over there. You know oh, it looked it like it was huge. sold out they stands filled the stands yeah, yeah, yeah it was sold out stands it was it was really it was really a pretty awesome you know, pretty awesome sight to see
0: it is, and I know when we talked about the possibility of North Wilkesboro opening again, a lot of people were saying, we've got to make sure the fans show up because uh that was part of the problem with why it closed uh when it closed down was that the the attendance wasn't there so you're right it's just so good to see so many fans enjoying the racing out there at north wilkesboro speedway and i know we've been talking about this a lot but it is a big deal
1: oh yeah it is a big deal um you know especially you know for short track racing you know to see you know a track you know that the track that old, you know, that magnitude. You don't know, get, the, get the buzz that it got this, you know, this uh, this past week. But, yeah, um, there's a lot of pictures out there on social media if anyone wants to go out and check them out. Yes,
0: indeed. Also, Sawalich gets his first ARCA CRA Super Series win on the high banks of Winchester in late models. So that was good to see, along with Jimmy Renfrew, Jr. gets back to the – Granite State Pro Stock Victory Lane, so uh, two big wins for those two drivers in late models.
1: Yes, it was. It was. It was two big wins. Um, uh, you talking about the one. At, the one that. Uh, yeah, two star late model sports movies in a row. In Winchester, yeah. Winchester's yes. a, the other one where they have. We have the Winchester. I think it's the Winchester 300. It's a big super late model race, and the winner gets Winchester
2: uh, 400.
1: The win- Winchester 4 and get uh, you know, an actual Winchester um, never-action rifle.
3: That's what the winner yeah. the winner that.
0: Okay, and then the KDDP finalist, Hayden Plybin also breaks through at Hermistown. Uh, that's the Allen Kowicki Driver Development Program. And then also there's a Labor Day weekend stat sheet that's available for folks that are looking to catch up on all of the racing that took place over the weekend.
1: Yeah, Tate and Plyvans from uh, up here in Washington, um, one of their local drivers, and uh, he, uh, you know, finally, I think he has a couple of wins already. I don't, I don't know. They had the <clears throat> they had the list up a couple of weeks ago on where, but it was, where the standings were so far for the for the um, uh, Key Developmental Program,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh,
1: I think right now, I, I think it was. Um, uh Dylan Zappa who's leading the the point so far.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. Uh that's really good for him. I know we had him on earlier this season. Uh I'm gonna move over to flow racing now, Sal. Uh the road to Aldora, the twenty twenty two road ends. So um uh there's uh you know, a lot of these uh local tracks are starting to wind down their seasons now. So uh, there's a little bit of information about that for Eldora coming up there. They've also got the Dirt Late Model Dream is 14% complete. Uh, The 2022 Dirt Late Model Dream remains to be completed with 86 laps remaining. So if you want to know more about that, uh, that's Wednesday, tomorrow night, at Eldora Speedway.
1: Yeah, it would be exciting out there. We have we also getting ready for our um, Dueling Desert out here in in I'm in Las Vegas right now. That's what I'm saying out here where I'm at. Uh, the Dueling uh-huh. Desert will be will be getting ready to get fired up over here too. Last year they had um, over 500 over 500 entries, and from what they had said last year, they're are only going to allow 450 entries this year, which is it was just too many cars for the four days of racing to try and get all the you know, all the racing they need to get in. So they're, they're going to cut it back by 450 cars, but that won't be a problem getting that many cars. And it's a, it's just a it's, amazing. it's a sight to see. Oh,
0: wow. That's fantastic. Sal, I wanted to give you an update, too, and I know this is kind of a side note real quick. Uh, my brother and I are traveling out to Las Vegas Motor Speedway for the Arca race out there at the Bullring and for the uh, NASCAR Cup Series and uh, Xfinity Series race that's going to be out there in middle in the middle of October. So uh, I wanted to mention that to you in hopes that maybe you were planning to go out there as well. Uh, we could kind of meet up.
1: Actually, I will be out there. I'll be out there with uh, with um, Chris Loudon and also with uh, Landon Lewis, the drive 16 for Bill McAnally Racing. And
2: ah. Depending,
1: uh, yeah, depending, there might be a couple other teams that will be up there, so. I'm only just going up for the race and I'm driving home right after the race. Um, for the vacation, arca race. Yeah, I'm just going for the arca race. My vacation time is running I'm running it's out short. of vacation time, so I, yeah, it's running short so I gotta save some some uh some time cause I have other other commitments that I have to hold. Well but...
0: let's uh let's try to see if we can uh do a meetup out there.
1: Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure if you guys are coming out the track is small. So yeah, it won't it won't be a problem getting you know getting uh you know getting chance to get together because I'm sure you'll probably okay. be down on the you're probably be down in the pit area too so that'll make it that okay. much more easier.
0: Okay. Okie doke. Well, again, I just want to make sure I mentioned that to you. Uh, we're going to have to move on though now uh, to the Arca Menard series. Uh, the Arca West actually raced out at Portland. And Jake Drew, once again, dominated out there. He uh, seems to be on his way toward a West Series championship.
1: Yeah, he does. I mean, he picked up this win this past weekend. Um, uh, gosh, I mean, I'm sure by now he's got a huge – well, we'll get to the points later, but I'm sure right now he's got a – he has to have a huge points lead over um Whoever's in second place, it could be either Cole um I think, or Tanner Reif. Uh I know that um, Todd Sousa had a pretty good run, too. He was up there pretty high, but... Um, yeah, I think he was second. Yeah,
0: it's his, Todd Sousa? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, he
1: was second. Yeah, it was yeah Todd, okay. And actually, actually talking to one of the guys that was watching the race, he said that Cole Moore... I guess he went a lap down. and He got his lap back and charged through the field. He was already up in second, and then ended up finishing fourth. So, I don't know what happened.
0: Wow! It was a good, uh, good victory then for Jake Drew and and uh, Tanner uh, and uh, Todd Souza and all the guys that we're talking about here. Uh, to give you the complete rundown on the top ten, Jake Drew was the winner. Uh, he raced all 57 laps, finishing first. Todd Souza finished second. Tanner Reif came home in third place. He's Jake Drew's teammate. Uh, then it was Cole Moore in fourth. Takuma Koga, uh, finished in fifth place to round out the top five. Uh, the next two drivers, Ryan Pilpott and Davey McGrath, um, finished sixth and seventh. They fin- they completed all the laps as well. Now Joey East, Landon Lewis and Bridget Burgess uh didn't quite complete all of the laps. They finished laps down, but they are in the top ten.
1: Yeah, I was just sure those small field, twelve cars, gosh, you would think they'd have more, especially with uh, <clears> the <throat> road with, course uh, Car Well the Road Course but down and that, but then IndyCar Car also ran with them. With the same yes. weekend, so yes. they're they're they paired up the with big Indy bang for cars, the cars. So there. yeah, so you fear more fans, or even more cars, would have showed up. You know, a lot of guys just like to go out there. You know, race the same tracks. You know, as the uh, you know what the big boys race on.
0: Right, exactly. Um, <clears throat> Jake drew a one at Portland the last time they were out there, but it was a rain shortened race, so it had to be a little bit of redemption for him. To uh, finish first in this race again at Portland International Raceway uh, when the weather was nice.
1: Yeah, that's right. Last time he went out there was a uh, rain it was shortened, shortened down by the rain. So. Um.
0: Okay, about the only time in the race that there was a challenge, Todd Souza got the best of Drew at the start of Saturday's race and led the first lap, but it didn't take a little, very long for Drew to regain that uh, spot at the front of the field. Uh, he held the lead uh, despite a few challenges from Souza and Moore on a series of restarts, but in reality, nobody had anything for that number 6-4 at Portland.
1: Yeah, he was uh, basically the, the class of the field, I mean, you know, when you go back and you look at the, you know, the drivers who are racing, you know, you had uh, one, two, three, you had four, four rookies out there. Um,
0: amazing.
1: Yeah, amazing. It was a, you know.
0: Well, I can't think wait Drew expanded effect. his. Drew expanded his points lead. He, he came in 44 points over Tanner Rife, but I think that's a little more distance there, right?
1: Yeah, it'll be like a fifty-two points over.
0: Okay, over to go over the points report for the West?
1: Yeah, yeah. We could um, leading the points is Jake Drew with uh, with his four wins. Um, sitting at second is Tanner Reif with his two wins. He's fifty-two points back. Cole Moore is fifty-five points back in third, and sixty points back is Todd Sousa fourth. And then from there, then you go to uh, Joey East, who rounds off the top five. And then from there, then you go to Takuma Koga, sixth. Bridget Burgess, seventh. Paul Petroselli, Jr., eighth. Austin Herzog, ninth. And Andrew Tuttle is tenth. So Austin and Paul, Austin, and Andrew each didn't, uh, didn't compete in this event. So you only have really mm-hmm. seven drivers in there that will complete all the races this season so far.
0: Okay. Now, next up for the uh, ARCA West is um, Drew, uh, let's see, three more chances for uh, Jake Drew to seal the deal on becoming the inevitable West Series champion. The series returns to action October 1st for the Napa Auto Care 150 at All-American Speedway in Roseville, California. The season then ends with a visit to the Las Vegas Speedway Bull Ring, that's the one we were just talking about, on October the 14th. And then the season finale will be at Phoenix Raceway on November the 4th. So uh, a replay of this past Saturday's race, though, the ARCO Portland 112, will air on USA network on friday september the 16th starting at one thirty p.m eastern time if you want to set your dvr uh to watch that race okay i know we're a little yeah. ahead of schedule go ahead Sal.
1: oh no yeah i was gonna say you know you, you know it'll probably be a good one uh it'll probably be a really good one to watch
0: i think so also, they raced on dirt, the Arkham Menard Series, along with the Sioux Chief Showdown, uh, raced on dirt at the De Quoing Fairgrounds this past weekend. And it was the local favorite, Ryan Unsicker, that made it clear in Monday evening's rust Automotive finishes 100 that he had the speed to win, uh, and uh, when he did. And uh, it was a pretty special win for Unsicker. <laughs> Excuse me, uh, who picked up the checkered flag as a going away present for his co- car owner, Bill Hendren, who's retiring from racing operations at the end of the year. Uh, I think that may mean, unless Ryan picks, picks up another ride, uh, that could mean it was also Ryan Unsicker's last trace as well. Uh, but it was really good to see. That was, yeah, after it was uh... a couple of rain delays.
1: I know, it seems like all our races, no matter where they're racing, it seems like we're hitting rain delays. and you yeah. know, I know I know it's got to get pretty frustrated there for a while, but um you know, for uh, for Ryan to get the win, you know, for his you know, for his team owner. You know, his car owner, you know, and uh I mean, what, what more could you ask for?
0: You we really can't ask for anything more than that. That was that was pretty special. Uh <clears throat> he actually started twentieth because of the rain delay. Uh, The starting lineup was based on car owner points, uh, and so they put him in 20th place. But by the time the first yellow flag flew on lap four, he was already in third place in the uh, ranking there. So uh, it was a big, big day for Ryan Unsicker. Uh, I want to go over – I know that – Jesse Love was hoping to win that $50,000 bonus, but he did get a $5,000 bonus for finishing second and having the best average finish between the two dirt tracks. He had a first at um, at uh, the Springfield mile and then a second-place finish here at DuCoin. So uh, congratulations to Jesse Love. Then it was Sammy Smith in third, Daniel Dye finished fourth, Nick Sanchez fifth. The next five drivers were Greg Van Alst, Tim Monroe, Joe Cooksey, Corey Hyde, and Kelly Kofsky, another local driver uh, that came home with that top ten finish. So, uh, pretty cool. Uh, uh, there were. Only, let me look here. I got to follow the line across. I think only seven drivers actually finished on the lead lap.
1: Yeah, that was a uh, uh, very good run race. You know, uh, you know, a good, a good uh, field of cars. Twenty-one cars. You know, you look up and down the, yeah. uh, you know the, um, you know, finishing order. You don't know, see some popular names there, Corey Hines you know, coming back and racing Arca again. Um, Daniel died, of course, Sammy Smith, you know, he's, he's been on fire in that series, you know, and and, and Jesse Love, you know, has been the highest finishing rookie.
0: Yes. He's been doing really, really very, very well. Now we don't have the point standing sale for the Succi showdown yet. That hasn't not yet been updated. Um, but if you want to go over the Arkham series point standings, that would be great. I don't know why I have okay. <clears throat> okay,
1: the Okay. Okay, the series is uh, uh, Nick Sanchez is, is leading. Uh, Daniel Dice is second by 11 points. Third is Raja Karuth, Fourth is Greg Van Aust. Fifth is Tony uh, uh, Brandinger. Sixth is Amber Balkin. 7th is Sammy Smith, 8th is Brad Smith, Ninth is Taylor Gray, and and Zachary Tinkle rounds up the top 10.
0: Okay. Really, it's a three-way battle at the top here, and it's been all over the place. (laughs) Raja Caruth was leading at one point, but this was not a good race for Raja.
1: Yeah, it is. It is a tight battle at the top. You, you got the top three only separated by 16 points, and then from there, uh, they're 107 away, so they're basically out. But uh, between Nick Sanchez, Daniel, Dye, and Roger Cruz, they're going to be battling for you know the last of the whatever races remain in the series. They'll be battling you know tooth and nail battling for that. It
2: out.
1: Yeah, for that no, uh, just... for that championship.
0: Just so you know, the Arkham Menards Series title contender, Raja Carruth, he actually had a bad day out at DuCoin. He finished 17th after having mechanical trouble, knocked him out of the race on lap 18. So that's why you see Raja Caruth taking that dip after the DuCoin race. But uh, I, I don't think it's going to stay that way. These guys have been competitive all season long. And I would just encourage everybody, if you want to, <laughs> excuse me, I have the hiccups, if you want to see the Sioux Chief Showdown point standings, uh, keep an eye over at com under the standings and the uh, menu bar in uh, the Sioux Chief Showdown. They will update that at some point this week. And if you want to see those standings, we do have a link up in the article. Uh, for the recap of uh, this week's race, uh, the link is there if you want to have the link to that Sioux Chiefs Showdown uh, point standings.
1: Yeah, I would, I would definitely take it. You know, you know, keep an eye on it. And, you know, see what the, see where your favorite driver is uh, is at these days.
0: Yes, indeed. Okay, now I just want to uh, let everybody know too that. For the Arca East, um, now the rust Automotive finishes 100 marked ground 9 of the 10 races for the Sushi Showdown, So, uh, in which Smith in, entered the coin with a 23-point edge over Taylor Gray, and Taylor uh, Gray finished in 12th uh, because he had a mechanical ish, issue as well. The final race of this year's Sushi Showdown is going to be be uh, a race with the Arkham and Art Series and the Arkham and Art Series East combination event at Bristol Motor Speedway on September the 15th, so that's going to be a big race on September the 15th. The, the Arkham and Art Series season continues Saturday, September 10th, though, at Kansas Speedway. That's the 17th <coughs> of 20 races for this year's uh, schedule. That race will start at 7 p.m. Eastern and broadcast live on MAP TV Motorsports Network and will also be available via live streaming on Flow Racing. So uh, just to update you on that, um, again, uh, September 10th, they'll be at Kansas Speedway for the Arca Menard series. The Arca West their next race is uh at All American Speedway 6:45 p.m. Pacific time that would be 9:45 Eastern uh that'll be on Flow Racing and then that race on September 15th that is the combination event three series three different point series points for the three different series just one race out at um Bristol Motor Speedway on September the 15th so uh some big racing still to come here in the Arca Menard series.
1: Oh yeah, there's there's a lot of big racing that you know before you know they they finally uh, found their champion. So you know it's just something you want, just want to keep your eye on and you know follow them and you know and see how the see how the season plays out. It's going to be interesting.
0: They also have some really great videos over at Arcaracing.com if you want to see the race highlights of the Rostolian Automotive finishes 100 or uh, the behind the scenes at Portland International Raceway. <laughs> Excuse me. They also have behind the scenes for DeCoin State uh, Fairgrounds there. <clears throat> um, Jesse Love talks about his disappointment of the second place run. He was really hoping to get Sal that $50,000 bonus. Um, but he still got the 5000 bonus, which is still good. And then they yeah, also have I Ryan mean, Unsicker's and Bill Hendren's victory lane interview. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, money is money. I mean, yeah, everybody wants that fifty Gs, but you know, at least you got, at least you got something out of it.
0: He sure did, uh, and really, he has uh, been doing very, very well this season in the Arca Monarch series, which is kind of a step up for him. He raced primarily the Arca. West and won the championship there. So now he's racing full time in the Arca Menard Series, and I think he's doing a great job.
1: <clears throat> yeah, he is. He's, ex- uh, he's he's had a lot of improvements, you know, from when he... I remember watching him out here. But then he did he did good when he ran the Arca West Series with Bill McAnally Racing too.
0: Yeah, and let me kind of uh, rephrase myself here. He's actually racing part time in the Arca Menard Series and that's because he's not allowed to race just yet on some of the bigger tracks that Arca races on. But he is going after that Sioux Chief Showdown title and uh, he, he's raced 10 of the 15 races uh, of the Arca Menard Series this year. Okay. Um, Let's go ahead and move on. Now, I'm going to do just a real quick update for the truck series, and uh, then we're going to get into the Xfinity series. And we're doing that because we have a great interview uh, from the number 43 team that won in the Arkham, in the um, NASCAR Cup Series, and we want to be able to play about 15 minutes of that before we um, get into our review of the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, So we're going to play 15 minutes of the interview. Sal and I will talk for a little bit, and then we'll do the Cup Series review. But uh, we're just going to kind of cut the Truck Series update a little bit close here in order to be able to do that. So let's uh, go ahead. The next race the truck series is the Kansas Speedway. That's 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Friday, September the 9th. So this coming Friday, the trucks will be back on track. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1, and radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. So um, uh, Sal and I are going to do a preview of that race on Thursday, So uh, stay tuned for that on Thursday night. We'll give you a whole lot more details about what's happening in the NASCAR truck series. (laughs) Let's go ahead and move on now to the Xfinity series. I'm going to do that review. Uh, The NASCAR Xfinity series raced their 40th annual Sports Clip Haircuts VFW Help a Hero 200. Uh, this Saturday at Darlington Raceway, the race winner was Noah Gregson, age 24, driving the number nine Bass Pro Shops True Timber BRCC Chevrolet for owner Tim. He- I'm sorry, Rick Hendrick, and for crew chief Luke- Lucas Lambert. Uh, it was his ninth victory in 126 Xfinity Series starts his fourth victory and 17th top-ten finish this year, and his second victory and seventh top-ten finish in seven races at Darlington Raceway. Sheldon Creed finished second, posting his first top-ten finish in two races at Darlington, and it is his 10th top-ten finish this season. A.J. Allmendinger finished in third. He posted his second top-ten finish in four races at Darlington. Uh, Sheldon Creed was the highest-finishing rookie with that second-place finish. Now, um, let me just real quick, uh, as we go over that race, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong series here. Okay, as we go over that race at uh, Darlington Raceway, okay, again, it was Noah Gregson uh, at the end of a thrilling three-car battle that wasn't decided until the last corner of the last lap Saturday night at Darlington Raceway, Nor Gregson stole a victory from Sheldon Creed and a charging Kyle Larson to score his fourth victory of the NASCAR Xfinity Series season. After passing Gregson for second place on lap 144 of 147, Larson got a strong run on Creed, then the leader, coming to the white flag. Larson steered his number 17 Chevrolet to the inside of Creed's Camaro, and the drivers raced side-by-side side through those first two corners. Uh, but it was Noah Gregson who uh, got that win in the end. Uh Again, be his fourth win of the season, second to Darlington in the ninth of his career. Uh, Creed, again, was second, followed by Almondinger, Al Gower, Kyle Larson, Ty Gibbs, Christopher Bell, Josh <laughs> Berry, and John Hunter Nemechek. The pole sitter was Brandon Jones. He ended up finishing in 14th place. Creed led the race with two laps to go, but was caught by Larson coming to the white flag. They made contact with one another and slowed. Uh, Gregson was running third. He caught up with both drivers and also got into the wall before taking the lead coming to the checkered flag. The race was red flagged for two hours and 37 minutes, just before the end of stage two because of rain. Stage one was won by Noah Gregson. Stage two was won by Justin Algower. There were ten lead changes among six drivers, five cautions for 39 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 97.979 miles per hour. Your thoughts, uh, Sal, about the race results there for the top 10?
1: Yeah, it was a it was really exciting at the end between uh, Gregson, and, uh, um, Creed, and, and Almondinger. Uh, actually, uh, Kyle Larson,
0: Kyle Larson, you know, you got
1: to give, you really got to, um, you have really got to tip your hat to Kyle Larson. You know, he had a chance to, he could have put Creed, he could have knocked Creed sideways, got him out of his groove, but he knew what he was racing for. So Kyle, a couple times, you know, backed off, backed mm-hmm. off the gas, you know, and, it, and let him, you know, and let him race his race. But, man, yeah. when Creed hit that wall on the last lap, he just went up against the wall and just figured out would ride it out. When he got the flag, figured, you know, it's all or nothing. All or nothing.
0: Yeah, you know, I really thought was, Creed might pull off the win, but uh, that duel at the end sure made it exciting.
1: Yeah, it did, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, you know, they said, "No, do no hit the wall." He didn't hit it half as hard as Creed did because if No hit would hit the wall as oh. hard as Sheldon Creed hit it, he would have never, he would have never finished the race. But mm-hmm. Sheldon Creed, man, he really put out. I really thought he was going to get this win. You know, um, you know, he cut it to the points. speed, you know, it's you know, makes it you know, it's more exciting for him. You know, come, you know with the upcoming weeks, um, you know, trying to get trying to get into the chase. Um, you know he really needed you know all, all that he all that he had, and like I said, almost almost pulled off the limb
0: almost now, there were some drivers uh, from position um, twenty sixth <coughs> through thirtieth that finished laps one or more laps down uh, that includes Josh Williams, Ryan Vargas, myatt Snyder, Brandon ba- Brown, Dawson Cram and uh, Brendan Poole, Um, but then there were others that had uh, either mechanical issues or there was the damaged vehicle policy uh, that caused them to leave the race early. Uh, J.J. Yaley had an engine issue. Joe Graff, Jr., was caught up on, in an accident on lap 61, taking him out of the race. Riley Earps, uh you know, did not meet the DVP, the damaged vehicle policy. He was out on lap 56. Ty Dillon had an electrical issue, taking him out of the race on lap 55. Chris Wright was caught up in an accident taking him out of the race on lap 55. Anthony Alfredo had an accident taking him out on lap 51. And then Tommy Joe Martins had a radiator issue that took him out on lap um, 44. The the margin of victory in this race was .794 seconds. So it was pretty close.
1: Yeah, it, it was. You know, it was a, you know, it was a, a good race. You know, I like I said. You know, um, Noah didn't win by that much, but you know, I mean, you know, I, I expected a, a bigger finish from out of Tigers too. You know, you know, than the sixth. I know he was he was up and back, up and back, and Chris Bell too. Chris Bell was up there and, and uh, man, and that Noah just came at the end and.
0: I know. Uh, Sal, let's go ahead and give the regular uh, point standings for these guys, uh, the top 12, and then we'll do the playoff standings.
1: Okay. So right now the way it sits, it's A.J. All, all, Almodinger in first, Ty Gibson in second, Justin Algaier in third, Noel Gregson in fourth, Josh Berry in fifth, Austin Hill right off the top six. And then from there, then we go down to Brad and Jones in seventh, Riley Herps in eighth, Sam Mayer in ninth, Daniel Hamrick in tenth, Landon Castle in 11th, Ryan Sieg in twelfth, and uh, Shelby Creed is on the outside looking in.
0: Okay. Uh, there's only two more races left for these guys to get into the playoffs. Uh, you've got the Kansas race on September 10th. Bristol Motor Speedway is the finale on September the sixteenth, and then on September the twenty fourth, the first round of the playoffs begin for the Xfinity Series. So, uh, two more races—can you believe it? And the regular yeah, it's, season it's, uh, is over.
1: I know it's it's crazy because when you think about the Cup stood, they had their first, um, they had their first. Uh, uh, playoff races this past weekend, also at Darlington.
0: Yes, they did. Okay, let's go ahead and take a look at where we are for the Xfinity Series playoff standings <coughs> after Darlington, race number 24 of 33 for the Xfinity Series with two races left.
5: Two races
1: left. You have uh, Ty Gibbs up on the top spot with five wins. Donald no, Gregson in second with four wins. Justin Alguire in third with three wins. Um, A.J. Allmendinger in, in fourth with three wins, but so far he's a regular season championship leader. And then from there you go to Josh Berry in, in uh, fifth that has two wins. Austin Hill has two wins in sixth. Brandon Jones with one win in seventh. And then from there you go to Riley Herps. Uh, Sam Mayer, Daniel Hamrick, Madden Castle, and Ryan C. At 16 points below the cut line is Sheldon Creed. Other than that, Brandon Brown the Alfredo are too far out. They would need a win to get in.
0: Yeah, they they definitely are going to need to win to, a win to get in. It's not going to surprise me, though, if Sheldon Creed pulls off a win. It seems like he's got uh, some good mojo going and uh this second uh this part of the season he's he just seems to have some momentum on his side.
1: Yeah, he does. I mean it's it's gonna be it's gonna be, you know, interesting, you know as you know, as we keep moving you know, as we keep, you know, progressing on and on and on, you know, into the uh into the last two races.
0: Yes indeed. Okay, Sal, we have um actually uh we're at 8:10 or 9:10 right now. <clears throat> this interview is actually 37 um just over 37 minutes. So this gives us a chance to play about 20 minutes of the interview and then you and I can kind of talk about it uh for 15 minutes afterwards. Actually, I could probably play the whole interview and then you and I can kind of give our thoughts afterwards. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, This is, by the way, just so you know, um, I want to tell you who all is on this interview. It is, uh, you have Eric Jones, the driver of the number 43 Petty GMS Chevrolet, David Helens, the crew chief, and Joey Cohen is the competition director at Petty GMS Racing. So that's who you're going to hear on this interview. Here we go.
4: Good evening, everyone. We are going to begin our post-race media availabilities. We are now joined by members of our race-winning team. Congratulations, gentlemen. Um, We have Joey Cohen, Competition Director at Petty GMS, as well as uh, Crew Chief Dave Ellens, congratulations. We'll go ahead and start with um, some questions. If you have one, please raise your hand, and we will get a mic over to you. We'll start here in the front with Matt Weaver.
5: Hi, hey guys. Matt Weaver, Racing America. My um, question is really for both of you guys. When you guys first bring over EJ, it's the old car, so a lot of things have changed, obviously. Uh, but now with this new car, what kind of leader has Eric been in, in terms of directing you guys telling you what sort of feedback y'all need to build this car and make it better to get it to a point where it's a race-winning car.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think um, Eric's done a good job giving us direction all year. Um, you know, I don't think anybody really, really knew what you had to have in the car um, to start the season, so we definitely uh, learned through Eric's feedback um, to give us a direction on how to build these cars at the intermediates because even, even at the beginning of the season, we were pretty good at uh, California but then we kind of tapered off on all the intermediate tracks, and, you know, throughout that time, like, Eric never really got down on us. You know, he just kept giving us guidance, giving us direction um, to build that program better, which I feel we have.
7: Yeah, exactly what Dave said. Um, You know, I think we had to spend a lot of time, uh, you know, there's not obviously a lot of on-track time, Um, We kind of went through the off-season and did the Charlotte test, uh, but the rules changed so many times, so many iterations from what we had in the off-season. A lot of time with engineers, a lot of time on the simulator, kind of supplementing some of those things and just trying to, you know, let Eric lead us, right? What does Eric need um, in the car, Um, because to your point, it's totally different uh, than, than any race vehicle. Um, so a lot of credit to him. He's our senior leader. Uh, you know, he's our, our guy that, uh, you know, is going to lead the engineers, lead the crew chief, lead our guys to, the, you know, work on the
5: cars to what he needs. And kind of on that note, kind of for both of you guys again the end too, um, there's a lot of people leading this organization that expect winning in championships, right? But was there a conviction that it could happen this soon? I mean, you guys come out of the gate really fast. You guys are leading laps and running up front. Were you guys expecting to get it done this soon into this process of this new car?
6: For myself, this season, you know, that was my expectation to try to get a win. Um, You know, and then throughout the season, you know, working with Joey and Mike, um, they definitely have embraced that quite a bit. Um, I think that was our expectation. You know, it's hard to tell people that that's your expectation because they don't believe you, Um, but that was definitely – our internal expectation of what we're going to do this year.
7: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Maury Gallagher, Mike Beam, you know, those guys, uh, they give us all the resources we need. Um, You know, we never put a timeline on it, but it's it's definitely something that, like, you know, okay, what's the next phase? What's the next step we need to be more competitive? Um, You know, I think a lot of it, um, you know, like I told somebody the other day, we're still hiring people, you know, we're still hiring resources. Um, But Dave coming in with this group, the 43 group, um, you know, that's a very established group, very senior group. Um, those guys have been together a long time. The pit crew's been together, the mechanics have been together um, you know Eric all those guys were here, and just bringing Dave in and kind of uh plugging him in there was a you know a huge step forward for that program and I agree with Dave, you know uh looking at that driver, that crew chief combination, I felt like a win was surely possible this year and um I think you know we we looked at a lot of times early in the season um you know uh just a lot of things didn't line up perfectly you know, we talk about it all the time you got to have a clean sheet you know you got to have great pit stops a fast car you got to got to execute on all levels and um you know that's what they've been working on right it's it's 27 races here right but they they got there and um i think um you know not that there was any expectations that it had to happen this year but uh, you know the the thing we stress is that uh you know petty gms and gms race, you know we want to win and that's what we're here to do and that's what Mario and Mike give us the capabilities to do. Additional
5: questions? Go to Jordan. Jordan Bianchi Athletic. I have a question for Dave. What were you thinking about as you walked down Pit Road and you got the high fives and selfies and everything else?
6: Yeah, I mean that, that's pretty cool because um, I've, I've been around a while in the uh, Cup Garage, Xfinity Garage. I have a lot of friends on different teams and uh, won with a lot of them, worked with a lot of them, and just to be able to walk down and see all those people, you know, person after person, congratulate, congratulating me, excited for the win, knowing how hard we've worked to get that. Um, it, it was really special. I think that was my, my favorite moment tonight, so that I, I enjoyed it.
8: Is there anything particular that jumped out of interaction with anybody?
6: Uh, I mean, getting to see, you know, Greg and uh, uh, Rand- Randolph uh, that they're both, I've worked alongside those guys in different roles as an engineer, um, you know, community crew chief, and uh, I feel like we kind of came up together. So those guys have both had a lot of success, and uh, just getting to see those guys and see how excited they they were for me to get my first win, that was pretty special. And uh,
5: was that your wife on the phone you were talking to? Uh,
6: yeah, yeah, yeah. They they were actually here last night, and we watched the race and uh, went to victory land and you know watch Noah celebrate last night so uh, I was a little jealous that that wasn't our car so thankfully we were able to get it done tonight
4: before we start with Eric thanks for joining us Eric do you have any other questions for Dave and for Joey we'll go to Kelly Kelly Krannery, Coming into this year, your
9: first year in the Cup Series, obviously the car is new, but was that any more of an advantage for you? Because you didn't have to unlearn the previous Cup car, so to speak.
6: Yeah, uh, definitely that was a huge advantage for me. Um, the Xfinity cars all have plan-fit panels. Um, the rules are a little bit tighter on them. Um, definitely everything that NASCAR has done with this new car fit into me coming in this year. Um, and it, it's provided the opportunity for me to, um, you know, to understand what's going on and not be, I would have been seven years behind on what the cup cars were because I, I've been out of the cup series for so long. I, I couldn't catch up to people at that point. So everybody being on a clean slate starting out, um, definitely helped with this whole season.
9: And then your team, and if I can get Eric answer this as well, um, for both of you for Dave and Eric you guys are the first non-playoff team to win the opening race of the playoff since there's been a playoff in 2004 how special is that to just steal the thunder right out of the gate
6: I mean it, it's definitely cool that we're the first ones to but um but I think the first thing Eric said to me is uh you know don't don't you wish we won Daytona <laughs> so um very special that we've done it but definitely you know It's so close to being, you know, our ultimate goal. So, uh, you know, it's special, but there's a little bit more there, too. Yeah,
10: Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's uh, it's awesome to win here, but at the same time, right, yeah, you you do look at it it like that a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it's hard to get attention in the playoffs when you're not a playoff guy. So uh, what better way to do it than that? But, yeah, it feels good. I mean, I feel like um, coming up we've got more good tracks. You know, I don't think – I I wouldn't say this is the only race that we have a shot at, you know, ending the year out. I I feel like we can win more races, and sometimes all it takes is one. And, uh, you know, I think we've we've gained a lot uh, in the last well, six months of this race car and learned a lot, and, you know, the whole group's done a really good job, and it's a big testament to the people, right, when you can win a, a playoff race like that. There's some deflation after Daytona when you don't, you know, achieve your goal there. And we had a great car. Uh, Things just didn't work out. So I think testament to the group, right? You know, push just as hard and bring a good piece here. to Lee?
0: Dave, you and your handful, you know, first you come over to 43, and then you've got to, you know, pull this thing together. You look at the instant
9: success Trackhouse had, and and Mike Beam says a lot of that is we kind of started out as a truck team. They inherited a cup team. How do you guys – get to that level so you know Eric and Noah next year
0: are just you know up at that you know battling for for wins like Chastain and
6: Suarez yeah I mean definitely um, you look at the December time frame for the two different organizations and where we were at and you know what was that GMS and what was that Petty's you know there's not a lot there compared to a track house organization that you know, had an active team going into it. We, um, I mean, I think the first day we had a meeting over there, we had like 20 people in the team meeting, and that was pretty much everybody that was there. So we've hired a lot of people since then, um, worked on a lot of relationships with Chevrolet, different people, trying to get more resources in-house, uh, more tools for us to be better. Um, and it, it's been good throughout the season. We're, we're making gains on it. You know, we we have higher expectations of what what, than what we're doing right now. There's plans in place to get more people, better resources. So, you know, I think we're going to grow more, you know, as this season ends up. And then next year I think we're we're even going to be a step better. So I think it's just continuing to, to get the right people and the right resources in there. Any other questions for
4: uh, Joey and Dave? Go right there. Yep, go ahead.
3: Hi, Alex Zetlow of the Charlotte Observer. Um,
10: and this is for all three of you, I just said. Would you guys consider this a redemptive night for for Eric? And I'd, I'd like to hear from all three of you if possible. you want me to go for it? Yeah, and I can go for it. No, I don't think it's redemptive.
6: Um, you know, obviously last year was a tough season for him. You know, I, I watched from afar last year. Um, there was races that were good you know a lot that weren't great um but you know that's resources that's cars that he's having to run that's you know nothing to do with him so um you know i think he believed in himself and what he's capable of i obviously believe in that so i think it's a continuation of where he left off more than redemption yeah
10: i would agree i mean obviously i was a little uh in a bad spot (laughs) uh towards the end of 2020 you know trying to find a new home and and um the 43 car became that and took me in. I knew at the start, you know, there was, uh, it, it was a long-term outlook for me, you know, at least. I was like, all right, you know, we got to settle in and, and build and, and figure it out. And it's not like I just came in and did that. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of great people that came in and were a huge part of that um, to build to where we are now. But it's just been uh, cool to see, cool to be a part of, you know, coming from, you know, four carb. You know, a power hours team like I was at to uh, what was a single-car team last year to now a two-car team this year, uh, and building into a, a race-winning program now has been very, probably the most rewarding of my racing career, you know, and, and this is the 20th time I've said this tonight, but I'm, I'm very happy for myself to win a race, but more proud of the group, you know, a lot of guys... Tonight was their first cup win. Some was their first win in anything, any series. Um, I've been fortunate to win many races in my career, and that's been awesome. And this is an awesome race to win. Don't get me wrong. I'm super happy, but just more proud of the group, you know, and, and what they've brought to the table and what we've built over the last year and a half. Yeah, I mean, uh, Eric's a foundational
7: guy. He's not a redemptive. He's not – I mean, he's, he's still got the prime of his career uh, in front of him. We, I mean – when we went to go resign Eric, you know, earlier this year, um, this was a talk about a person that's got, you know, 12, 14 more years of solid racing in them and, uh, somebody you build a program around. Um, we're a young organization, but we're also an experienced organization. Like you said, there's a group that came with that 43 and there was a, a fresh young group that came out of GMS wanting to go cup racing. And, uh, like you said we all we all didn't know what we didn't know right we just wanted to go race and we wanted to go win and uh, that was going to take resources Uh, that was going to take Maury Gallagher Mike beam Dave Ellens a lot of guys uh, just believing in that and uh, trying to get Eric where he belongs Um, you know we're, we're not doing anything but getting him exactly where he belongs and that's in victory lane every single year thank you very much
4: I believe that there's a question in the press box for either Dave or Joey
5: Motorsport.com is actually for Eric. Okay. Hey, Um, Jim,
4: let me let these guys go real quick. (laughs) Dave, Joey, thank you guys so much for for joining us. Don't want to hose you up.
5: many distinguished drivers who've had long successful careers in NASCAR who've never won one Southern 500. Uh, You've you've got three career wins in in, uh, the Cup Series, but two of them have come in this race. Uh, A lot of people usually talk about that this is sort of a driver's track and it says a lot about a driver, but what does it say to you of winning twice, having this twice? Jeez, it's like asking me to be
10: braggadocious about this, man. I mean, you know, I just really like this track. There's tracks as a driver that you're really comfortable at, feel really good about. And Darlington's one of those places for me. Here, you know, Bristol, there's, there's a handful of tracks in the Cup Series for me that I know going into it. If the car's, you know, close and good, you know, we can have a shot to win. And... This weekend was no different. I knew we had a good car coming into it. I knew we'd made some good gains and had a shot to go and run up front. Um, you know, I, I'm blessed to win this race twice. You know, like you said, there's guys that have never won this race, very successful guys, and um, that's such a cool trophy. I kept that one in my house for a long time. The last time I wanted just to see those faces and those names, that's pretty special for me to be on, and uh, I've been a big fan of the history of the sport for you know, all my life as, as a kid growing up, and in, and even until today, um, but just love this place, love the racing here, I love this race specifically, you know, I, I feel like when we started coming here in the spring, I run okay in the spring race, I feel like we're always a top 10 car, but this is the race that I always have circled, um, from the length of it to the transition from day to night, just every, every bit of it,
5: uh, I love. we will go to Matt. Matt Weaver, Racing America, um, Kind of on the redemptive note, I know how proud you were and excited to be able to make it to the Cup Series and to be able to do it with a, a big team at Joe Gibbs Racing and then it didn't play out the way that you would have wanted it to. There were good moments but as, as a whole, right? Um, when it comes down that you're not coming back there again and you're trying to put a piece together to, to stay here at this level, um, was there any sort of doubt or trepidation fear that you couldn't get back to this level where you're winning marquee races? <laughs> You know, it's a good question. I would say
10: uh, I was not in desperation mode when I went to the 43 car. Um, I was in – I the outlook I had was to build. I knew last year was going to be a tough year, you know, and I think there was some really high hopes uh, in the 43 camp that last year was going to be, you know, a magic year. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I'd love to say I can plug in and just make this car win races, but it just doesn't happen like that. And, Um, Coming in, I knew it was going to take time to build. I was fortunate to have been with a a winning organization and have won races in Cup and know what it takes was a big help for sure uh, in coming into, um, you know, RPM at the time and now Petty GMS. But, yeah, I mean, was there times when I doubted it? Probably. You know, I remember you're not supposed to tell everybody what you're doing, but, I mean, my close friends, right, I called them and said, hey, this is what I'm doing, signed this deal with the 43 car, <laughs> and, you know, I could tell them, that you can tell in your, your close friends' voices, right, when they're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's good, man, I'm, I'm happy for you. And I'm sitting there on the phone, I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 and I actually was talking to, to one of them the other week, and he's like, you know, I was really nervous when you first told me about this deal, and and to see what you guys have done this year is really, you know, proved me wrong and so yeah I mean there's some nerves in there at times right and I think the big thing for me I never doubted myself man I never found myself in a bad place sure I was disappointed at times last year absolutely Uh, but never I, I cannot say there was one time where I thought man I I just can't do this
5: and then what has been your role when it comes to building this new car, leading them as a team? I talked to the guys about that earlier. But, like, in terms of, like, how you decide to give them feedback, the team debriefs, I mean, what is the what is driver's role in developing this new car? I think with this car, it's obviously, it's very obviously
10: put a lot of parity into the sport. Um, and it's really, you know, it takes a great team for sure. Uh, some of it has been, I think I'm the drivers to really learn about this car and the, and the handling and the suspension. You know, I feel like when I ask for changes and want to work on the race car, I really try to know what I'm talking about and really try to know what we're doing in the race car, and Dave knows that and, and tries to share as much information as he can with me. Um, but obviously my role, I guess, is trying to, you know, find the right people. You know, were at the end of last season and knew we were making a change as far as crew chief, you know, obviously there's a few names you kind of put on the board like, okay, These are the guys we want to go after, and Dave was the, you know, resounding guy as far as who we wanted to get, Uh, and I knew as soon as we got him signed, it was going to be a different season. You know, Dave is a sharp guy. He's got the kind of background I like. He's got the approach I like, the demeanor I like, and he was just really the guy that I've been looking for in the Cup Series. He's just the kind of guy I wanted to work with, and and he's been been a bigger game changer than, than what I could ever bring to the table.
9: We'll Kelly com. Eric, two things. Joey Logano said that this, to him, the Southern 500 is the toughest, the longest and the toughest race. Obviously, the Coke 600 is, is pretty damn long, but he said this one is the toughest. So he said, for you, you should be proud of yourself. And then when he realized this is your second one, he went, sheesh. So what does it mean to hear other drivers just give a compliment like that?
10: Yeah, I, it's it's cool. I mean, you know, you always – every person seeks respect from their peers, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, obviously, in racing we seek it, day-to-day work, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you're doing. So um, it is cool to have that respect. You know, I, I've tried to earn the respect of my competitors uh, as as a driver and as a competitor. Um, you know, Darlington is a tough place. Like I mentioned, though, it's just a place I felt good about it's – Reminds me so much of places that I just grew up racing at, you know, and it's sure it's bigger, but it takes a lot of things that I did as a, as a young guy racing late models um, to be successful. It takes a lot of those same things here.
9: And I think you said in your television interview this was the calmest you've ever been uh, running for a win. Why was that? What was different about this type of-
10: I wish I knew. (laughs) I'd do it every time. You know, to be honest, I hadn't been in position to win uh, a race in a while, uh, number one, but I went and ran some late model races this year, grabbed a win at uh, ORP against uh, William Byron up there, and kind of got me back in the mindset like, all right, you know, got to get in the mindset of, of winning these races again. You know, I went through a year where we were not in contention to win. I went to Auto Club earlier this year with a winning car and didn't win the race, and a lot of it was just because I was I was rusty, I was sloppy on restarts and and stuff that I I know I can be better at, and I was like, man, I just gotta gotta get back in that groove. Um, but some of it just having been there, right? You know, and that it, I looked back towards the other Southern 500 I won here, and that was probably harder as a driver to be honest because i ran out the felt like the entire last segment we went through pit stops um you know racing with those guys racing with kyle at the end for what felt like 50 laps um so i'm like this one i'm like man all i gotta do is 20 you know if i can get clear just run 20 20 perfect laps and it's all mine and that's i guess why i felt so good about it
4: Okay, on the back to barry
5: Uh, Eric, I think you segued into what I was going to ask you about. As as I've watched you this season, seeing the top
1: fives, the top tens, at what point did you feel like that as an organization you had turned the corner and that we have a fighting chance to win?
10: Almost right off the bat. You know, we went to Daytona 500 and we were good, but then we went to Auto Club, the second race of the season, and qualified second. We had a shot at the pole. We led laps. Um, we were up front in contention at the win, for the win. And I was like, man, you know, this new car, like, we have a shot now. And from that point on, I was like, we can do it. You know, we can win a race, non-speedway race, this season. There's ups and downs, you know. I would say probably the past three months, I would have said no way we could have won this race. But the last month, um you know, we've made some good stuff and good gains on this race car where we have been good enough to win these races. So, you know, I guess it's been a little bit of both, right? The start of the season, I felt good, then we went through a low, but then we've been back on it. And it's just, it's a good group, man. It's probably the best group I've had in my career at this level as far as people, and uh, it shows. Thank you.
4: All right, Amanda, we're going to hit these camera guys. We'll go them in the back first and then right here and then in the back to Pete.
6: Chris Weaver with uh Fox AWGHP Hot Point.
10: Have you got the forty three back in victory lane? What do you think about that and have you talked to the King yet? Yeah, I talked to him on the phone. Uh him and uh Dale Inman, had left earlier <laughs> to go home. They said it was getting too late, <laughs> they needed to go and rest, they had to drive home. But uh yeah, I did talk to him and that was cool. I mean, I obviously have gotten to know the King pretty well over the last year, almost two years now and I wish I could have seen him face to face, right? Just see his emotion, and I will. I'm, I, I can't. I really would love to just sit down and watch the race with him, especially the, the ending there, uh, and talk about it. But it's been fun, man. I mean, with with Richard, you know, he hasn't raced in almost 30 years now. But the car has changed and and everything. But what doesn't really change is the rate, the mentality, right? It's the same. I mean, he's a racer. He won 200 races. This is seven championships. I mean, he knows how to get it done. So he's shared a lot of wisdom with me, and and have has given plenty of con- constructive criticism, you know, which has been good. And I've enjoyed. It's been just cool to hear from him, you know. I mean, it's cool to hear uh, what he thinks after watching a race, what I can do better. And and there's totally been things I've learned from him, you know. I, some people may not believe that, but there's been stuff that that I've definitely learned from that guy. We'll come right up here to the front,
0: and then in the back to Pete and then. Sal, i'm going to end it there. I'll tell you uh and thank you for bearing with me with this um it's such an an, an iconic win in that number forty three car an icon, iconic car uh for eric jones who who took that risk of of uh leaving a team like Joe Gibbs racing and going to uh you know Petty racing at the time uh and now petty g m s racing uh, and, you know, he talks a lot about his crew chief, David Ellens. Uh, what are your thoughts about the interview here? I thought it was well worth listening to.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, it was good, you know, to hear, you know, especially, you know, because, you know, we're used to listening to, you know, either Stuart Haas Racing or Joe Gibbs Racing, you know, teams, you know, that are winning a lot. You know, to hear a team, you know, that's not really – I'm not saying that they're not competitive; that they can't win because they did prove that they could win. But you know, to hear you know something you know different you know from a driver who just really, you know, he's been around the block, he's been here, he's been there, he's been everywhere, you know. And then you know to get a win, especially at a track like Darlington, you know, it just wasn't. It wasn't a Vegas win. It wasn't Auto Club Speedway win. It wasn't a, you know, a Phoenix win. You know, but it was a you know, it's a Darlington win, you know, a big one, you know, the drivers really respect that track and, and everybody wants to win there, you know, and, you know, to hear, you know, his excitement, you know, the, everything he's gone through in his career, you know, and, and I'm sure there's times in any driver's career, you know, when you kind of, in a sense way, you know, step down, you know, from one of the major players, you know, to get involved with the team that hasn't won in so long, you know, I mean
0: yeah you know, it's a lot really to say amazing it. well the last time that the number 43 run was with Eric Almarola uh and he took the car to victory lane on July 6th of 2014 and that was at Daytona uh the last time the 43 and the 3 won back to back races was in April 18 to 25 1999 when John Andretti won in the 43 at Martinsville and then Dale Earnhardt won the following week in the number three at Talladega. So it's been so long that we've seen that 43, uh, in Victory Lane and, and, um, you and i we we know eric jones we talked to eric jones when he was racing late models and then when he came into what was then known as the canon pro series and on into trucks and so forth um we followed eric jones career path and it's it's just really rewarding to see a guy who worked so hard be able to get that win in in such an iconic car
1: yeah you know and it wasn't not putting any other driver down, but it wasn't a rain shortened win. It wasn't a, you know, you know, we don't have no lights win, you know, or, you know, we have to end the race, you know, because, you know, we we need to get on to the next race, you know, with a legitimate win, you know, which makes it that much even more, you know, special, you know, that he can, you know, say, you know, that, you know, I, I beat the best of the best, you know, one of the toughest tracks on the circuit, you know, and, you know, and to, you know, you know, when you look back at all the other drivers who have raced that car, you know, wasn't able to do, you know, um, something just going to put out to just caused more controversy than than what should have been caused, especially, you know, respecting, you know, the 43 car, you know, the way it should have been respected at the key moment. The-
0: yes, Indeed. Um, and and I know they talked a little bit about this during the interview, uh, how, you know, they almost wished that win had come one race earlier at Daytona. But Eric said it uh, also during the interview that he knows when he goes to a track like Darlington or Bristol, uh, the short tracks, in other words, that he's he's capable of winning those races, and he certainly proved that. Two Darlington wins in his early career, I just think is fantastic.
1: Yeah, you know that's kind of you know I can see the fans' point of view. You know of taking you know you know a restricted play race like Daytona or Talladega, you know, out of the you know out of the mix for you know you know you know the last race you know to make the playoffs. You know, um, you know, you you want a legit track. You don't want, you know, just uh, a track, you know, that like That's they say random. anybody can win a restricted play race. Yeah, any any random driver can you have gotta you gotta be lucky and just be there and and you know, and I mean at a at a, at a race like Darlington isn't won by just, you know, by luck. It's, it's won by jewel. you know, the, Yeah, I mean a the team they put a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, work into, you know, not only to get out there, but you know, to win the, you know, to win the race, you know. So, you know, it's not like a craft shot, a craft shoot, you know, or when you give him a fast car, you know what, and, and you know, just don't wreck, stay out of the big one, and you know what, and you're, you know, you're, you got just a good chances of winning. This this race isn't that type of a race.
0: Did you ever think, Sal, at the beginning of this season, that we'd have 17 different winners at this point?
1: No, I never thought that. <laughs>
0: Seventeen different winners in the Cup Series this yeah. year. Uh through twenty through what, uh, sixteen, uh thirty six, through uh twenty seven races. So that's that's amazing.
1: Yeah, it is it is amazing. This it's been an amazing season, so I mean it has
2: you
0: know,
1: and, and there's still there's still more races to come.
0: There certainly is. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the review of this race at Darlington Raceway, the 73rd annual Cookout Southern 500 with the winner Eric Jones at the age of 26, driving the iconic number 43 Focus Factor Chevrolet for team owner Richard Petty and Crew Chief David Ellens. Uh, It was his third victory in 210 Cup Series races, two of those victories at Darlington. Uh, His first victory and 10th top 10 finish in 2022. His second victory and 7th top 10 finish in 10 races at Darlington Raceway. Denny Hamlin finished second. He posted his 16th top 10 finish in 21 races at Darlington, and his eighth top 10 finish this season. Tyler Reddick finished third, posting his third top 10 finish in seven races at Darlington Raceway. Austin Sindrick, he was the highest finishing rookie. He finished in 16th place. Now, Eric Jones, uh, again, held off Denny Hamlin to fill that action-filled Southern 500, Uh, Elliot spun sideways and turned two on lap 113, two laps short of the end of the first stage. He cracked the back of his number nine Chevrolet and slid down the track into the path of Chase Briscoe, who couldn't avoid the collision. Elliot nursed his car to pit road where his team tried in vain to repair the damage, but with the right rear toe link, and upper and lower control arms broken, the task was hopeless. The 10-minute uh, time allotment under NASCAR's damaged vehicle policy ran out, and Elliott retired from the lay, race, finishing in 36th place. This is the regular season champion. After the first race of the playoff, he's lost all of his advantage, so uh, it, it, it's so disappointing for Chase Elliott. Uh, Eric Jones, on the other hand, uh, got his first win of the year and the second at Darlington, the third of his career. Uh, Hamlin finished second, followed by uh, Tyler Reddick, who is the poll the pole winner, Joy Logano. Uh, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, uh, Brad Keselowski, Keselowski, William Byron, Bebo Wallace, and Alex Bowman round out the top ten. Jones took the lead with 22 laps left when the race leader, Kyle Busch, fell out of the race with a blown engine. Several playoff drivers had issues during the race. Uh, We already mentioned uh, Chase Elliott, the regular season champion and Ports' leader, uh, entering the race, lost control of his car just before the end of Stage 1, and backing into the outside wall. The team was not able to repair the damages, and he was unable to continue, finishing 36th. Harvick fell out of the race with 90 laps left when his car caught fire on the rocker panel area. He finished 33rd. And while leading the race with less than 25 laps remaining, Kyle Busch lost his engine. He finished 30th. Chase Briscoe was caught up with uh, the Elliott accident and lost three laps, finishing 27th. Larson lost three laps early with an engine issue and went four laps down, before climbing back onto the lead lap at the end of Stage 2. He ended up finishing in 12th place. Stage 1 was won by William Byron. Stage 2 was won by Kyle Busch. There were 21 lead changes among 11 drivers, 9 cautions for 58 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 120.406 miles per hour. Your thoughts about those finishers?
1: Yeah, like you said, you know, once again, you know, congrats to Eric Jones. You know, um, I know, I know, Danny Hamlin was trying to make a run at him towards the end. I thought, I thought maybe Tyler Reddick might have even had a shot at him, but um, Eric just, you know,
0: he was able to hold him
1: off. Was, yeah, he was able to hold all of them off. You know, um, you know when, you know, like you said, you know, you mentioned, you know, all the playoff drivers. You know, um, Chase Elliott finishing dead last, Kevin Harvick thirty third and Chase Briscoe, you know, finishing 27th, you know, that's not how you want to uh, start the first race of the chase. Um, Joey Logano, and I think Joey Logano and Danny Hamlin, look, after the first race to be, you know, the, the champ, uh, you know, the favorites, but Danny Hamlin will do something and shoot himself in the foot, so he he won't do it, but uh, Joey Logano being a past champion and, and being the driver that Joey Logano is, you know, you almost have to, I know there's still a lot, We still got more racing that, but um, Joey knows how to. Joey's a past champion. He knows how to how to get it I just think Danny's going to shoot himself in the foot once again, and and not and he's going to he's going to be Dan Marino that's going to go down in history as Dan Marino is one of the greatest quarterbacks in football and never won a Super Bowl. And I think Danny Hamlin's going to go down as one of not not one of the greatest, but one you know one of the top stars in NASCAR. And uh, not to not win a, a championship. championship. Yeah. Yep. he's he's, went, he's won big races. He's won big races. Just like Dale Jr. won a big races, you know, won the Daytona 500 a couple times, you know, but could never get a, a Cup Series championship, you know, and, and retired, you know, and left it at that.
0: Okay. Well, there were several drivers who finished a lap or more down, starting with Justin Haley in 19th place. Ross Chastain, <laughs> Uh, Harrison Burton, Ty Dillon, they all finished uh, one lap down. Then there was Daniel Hemrick uh, going and Corey LaJoy along with uh, Landon Castle, Chase, Chris Busher, They uh, finished uh, two laps down. And then it starts getting a little bit more. You've got Chase Briscoe, Todd Gilliland, uh, BJ McLeod. Uh, all finishing laps down uh, We mentioned Kyle Busch had the engine failure Martin Truex Jr. Uh, went out on lap 336 with a water pump issue Cody Ware had an accident on lap 331 uh, that took him out uh, Kevin Harvick had a major fire and exhaust problem on lap 274, taking him out. He finished 33rd. J.J. Yaley had an exhaust issue, taking him out on lap 236. Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., taken out by an accident on lap 164. And we mentioned Chase Elliott going out early on lap 113 to finish 36th. Uh, the margin of victory here was close. It was 02 five two seconds for the margin of victory any additional thoughts there
1: no just um you know was you know
2: you know you look down you know
1: yeah eric jones and you know the next you know then you you know you go down to you know the next four drivers were all chase drivers you know so you know still you know you had seven chase drivers you know in the top ten so um
0: chase drivers uh were pretty much strewn throughout the entire field. Yeah. Okay. Uh let's go ahead and uh talk about the points here.
1: Okay. The points are uh Joey Logano in first. Uh, William Byron second, Danny Hamlin in third, Christopher Bell in fourth, Tyler Reddick in sixth, uh, Ryan Blaney in Blaney, sixth, Kyle Larson seventh, Ross Chastain in eighth. That runs out the top eight. And then, and then the next eight down is maybe Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Kyle Busch, Daniel Suarez, Austin Sendrick, Austin Dillon, Chase Briscoe, and Kevin Harvick uh as we know those aren't actually the the way the point standings are. <clears throat> the actual point standings are I'll just add it up here right now. Here it is. The actual point standing is uh Joey Logano leading the points, <clears throat> William Byron in second, uh Danny Hamlin in third. Uh Kyler Reddick in Christopher Bell in 4th, Tyler Reddick in 5th, Ryan Blaney in 6th, Kyle Larson in 7th, Ross Chastain 8th, Chase Elliott ninth. thanks to all those playoff points that he racked up, uh, Alex Bowen in 10th, Kyle Busch 11th, and Daniel Suarez sitting in 12th. <clears throat> and then in the cutoff so far, you got Austin Cedric, who's 2 behind, uh, two behind Daniel Suarez, Austin Dillon, who's four behind Daniel Suarez, Chase Briscoe, who's 10, and Kevin Harvick is at the bottom of the heap at 13 points behind Daniel Suarez for that last spot for the next round.
0: Okay. I was just trying to see how that compares. It's pretty close to the same. Christopher Bell, Tyler, Ryan Blaney. That's exactly the same, Bell.
1: As the as regular season?
0: Yeah. Yeah, the points, I was trying to figure out where it was different, and when I compare them side by side, they're exactly the same. So, anyway, yeah. Um, so, and oh, I'm yeah, they are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so just, I, I don't yeah, know you Okay.
1: No, I didn't. I just noticed that now.
0: Okay. Okay, so um, anyway, what did I do here? Okay, so we have um, uh, a really amazing uh, battle going on here between uh, these drivers and a shake-up when you consider... Chase Elliott was first. He's now in ninth place. And Kevin Harvick, who had kind of raced his way into the playoffs, is now the last driver uh, on that cut line. So the cut line is 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th. Kevin Harvick is 16th. So Austin Sendrick, Austin Dillon, Chase Briscoe, and Kevin Harvick are all below the cut line. Uh, And then with those two races... Uh, that are still left in this playoff, um, there's a lot that can happen. We may uh have some surprises in this.
1: Oh yeah, there's a yeah, there's a lot that can happen. The only thing that held um Chase Elliott from probably dropping down to where Kevin Harvick is the fact that he had those forty um that he had those forty playoff points playoff. coming in. You know, exactly. other than that he would have so. been
0: but it seems like all of that's taken away now. All of the advantage that he had is now gone, uh, with such a bad finish at um you know, with the fact that he finished dead last at Darlington. Then up next we have Kansas Speedway on September the eleventh and then Bristol Motor Speedway is the elimination race. And that's another one of those races where a lot can happen. So I think we might be yeah, in exactly. to some surprises.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure we will. I mean, a lot can happen, um, especially with the tracks, you know, that are left. Um, you know, it's going to be exciting to see what happens. You know, Kevin Harvick can easily pick up another win, you know, bunch himself into the next round. You know, really be a heartbreaker. You know, uh, Austin Dillon, I think he he already – he got his his lucky win for the season. I don't think he's good for another one. Um, Kyle Busch can still win a race. I mean, he's got a lot of drivers that can still win out out here.
0: That's true. You know, when you, especially when you consider it's Kansas. Kansas is that 1.5 mile track where a lot of things, a lot of the drivers are good on those tracks and uh, can probably pick up a win, but only one of them is going to actually do it. And then you've got Bristol Motor Speedway, and then there's those drivers that are really good on those short tracks.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens when uh, when Kurt Busch comes back.
0: Yes, it is going to be interesting to see what happens when he comes back. Um, but, uh, Sal, were you at a racetrack this past weekend? No, you were on vacation this weekend.
1: Yeah, I'm still on vacation work. I'm on vacation, vacation but I'm a work. worker.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I got
1: vacation's you. over now. Working. Yeah, we're I I'm, I'm out here in Las Vegas. We had a we, we came up early and and spent some time up here. And then now we're um, now I have two days of work and then back home.
0: I got you. Okay. So um, uh, again, I can't wait to get out to Las Vegas in the middle of October, and uh, the first well the only chance I'll have to see you there is at that ARCA race. So I'll definitely. Uh, make it a point
1: oh yeah it's it'll be a it'll be a fun time I'll tell you that
0: yep can you believe in all of this time you and I have never in all of this time Sal how long have we known each other seems like forever
1: yeah it's just a long time
0: <laughs> it is very long time so, yeah so I think that's going to be fun Okay, so with that, Sal, in fact, um, uh, we'll look forward to uh, catching up with you. I know you're going to do the show again on Thursday night with us this week, and then you're off all week next week, and Jay's going to co-host both of the shows next week. So I'm looking forward to working with you again on Thursday night.
1: Yeah, we've got a, a night job coming up next Monday, so... Okay. Um, it's going to be interesting.
0: Well, Jay is on vacation this week, and then he's coming back over the weekend. So he was saying that that would uh, help him out a great deal, and he'll be able to do the show then on Monday and then again on Thursday next week. So it's the South Segala week this week and the Jay Hughesman week next week. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Sal. We really appreciate you, and uh, we're definitely looking forward to the uh, preview show on Thursday night starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time right here on FAMFOR Racing Radio.
1: All right. Good night, everybody. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Okay. Goodbye.
0: Okay, okay. Good night, Sal. All right. And with that, we are ready for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off here on FAMFOR Racing Radio. And joining us, uh, I know we have Jay Hughesman. Welcome, welcome to the show, Jay.
11: Well, thank you, Sharon. I think Sal's already gone. I was going to thank him uh, for picking up there on Thursday, uh, and I'll cover for him, like you said, next week. Uh, I, I kind of had to laugh, though, when you said on vacation. I don't know if working a county fair is vacation. i got a couple of days, and oh. then I'm going to a dirt track <laughs> in uh, Kentucky. But, so, uh, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I in thought between vacation. jobs, if you will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay sorry about that uh, i'll have to correct that on thursday night um will you be able to do hot topics on thursday
11: i don't know yet uh because i don't know how late i'll be at the track i'm going oh, out for okay. practice night at the track
0: okay we'll keep us posted and uh, also joining us for tonight is michael Orzel. welcome to the show michael
8: Heyo! Real quick, I want to apologize to everybody. Uh, I did not try and do like a mic drop or anything last week. I legitimately did about the dumbest thing I've done on this radio show. Uh, I went to hit the mute button, and I hit the hang-up button. So tonight, my goal is to be a little bit more deliberate with my thumb.
0: Okay. Well, we appreciate that, Mike. And then also joining us tonight is uh, Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy.
3: Hey, how are you all? Thanks for having me back on.
0: Well, it's good to have you back on, and uh, we've got a full house here again tonight, so that's always a good thing. Uh, Now, Jay, just one real quick note to you. I'm hoping before we close out the show tonight that you will be able to give us an update on the fantasy group.
11: All right. Well, I, I just loaded up the uh, cup race there, so I got them all ready. Whenever we get a chance, uh, make some people happy and maybe some not so much. <laughs> Another <laughs> wild weekend for sure in the uh, points there.
0: Yes, and when you're talking double points, it really can add up very quickly. Uh, and that would be just in the can, cup series for right now. Can you,
11: can you hear? Can you hear Mike smiling? He's he's making a little bit of a late season charge.
0: Oh yeah, I'm sure he's, uh, he's a happy camper Okay, uh, let's go ahead and start with, a, with our NASCAR Hot topic sound off for tonight And uh, Mike, I let Tommy go first last week, so let's uh, have you go first this week
8: Sure, um, big news coming out of the race on Sunday was the fire on Kevin Harvick's car With a little bit less than 100 laps to go, the number four car of Kevin Harvick caught fire and he didn't even make it back to pit road. He had to bail out of the car midway around the racetrack. And previous fires that we've seen at Chris Busher and uh, Cole Custer's car have been somewhat attributed to contact. But the really concerning thing with the number four car was that there was no apparent contact or a tire failure or anything with Kevin Harvick's car. And th- they've addressed it this week. And uh, just this afternoon, NASCAR has come out with a new piece to block off uh, part of the rocker panel to hopefully address these fire issues.
0: Okay. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts about the incident with uh, Kevin Harvick, and um, he was not a happy camper either.
3: Yeah, as I was going to say, I mostly saw what he said after the fire, which was uh, uh, not a very nice interview, Um basically said that it was crappy equipment and that whoever was running the show, uh, or that they needed to, they needed somebody that knows how to run the show. I think we're something along those lines of what he said. So, um, you know, pretty brutal comments, which anytime they interviewed these guys after a crash or during a race like that, which is a long one, the Darlation race is about like the Coca-Cola 600. It's a long race. Um, so, of course, you know, he's going to be fired up and he's going to say, say things that he uh, probably shouldn't have said. But, you know, it's Harvick. Um, he's about like Kyle Bush. He's going to say what he's going to say, whether people don't agree with it or not. I mean, he even said that the sport could have been bigger if Junior would have been better. So, I mean, <laughs> Harvick's bold. He's just going to come out and he's just going to say it. Um, I thought it was pretty brutal for him to say that they needed to – They needed somebody that knows how to run the show, but I mean, you know, you don't want to say things like that because it doesn't make you look good, but at the same time, you also almost want to say that he does kind of have a point, like it, you know, if things are reoccurring and there's problems that are just keep on going and going and going, they need to look into it, they need to address it, but, um, you know, I think somebody put the stats on Twitter about the fires and the parts having fires this year. And Harvick was saying it was a piece of crap equipment and that um, had they had different equipment and things that they had been suggesting for the car that maybe that wouldn't have happened. But I think that was literally the only fire this year uh, from that part y'all were talking about. So I mean, he's just unhappy. And... Um, Doing what Harvick does. I mean, I like Harvick. You know, he's one of the veterans of the sport now And Kurt Busch. I don't want to see him retire because, you know, he's been racing like 20 years. But um, got to be careful with what you say. But, like I said, also, I like Harvick, and um, I'm perfectly fine with him ranting as well.
0: Okay. Jay, your thoughts?
11: Yeah, this is a tough one. I know we kind of had this discussion already last week with some things. Um, I don't know that there's a parts issue from what I heard. And I want to say this. Over the weekend, uh, being busy, I didn't get to watch any of the racers. I listened to them on the radio and talked to a bunch of people. Um, So that's all I got. And then listening to Sirius XM radio, um, that, yes, there is a concern as far as the fires, which is obviously a safety issue and NASCAR does want to address. But it's not in the parts itself. It is, I know they were putting it on the uh, sidewall foam, I guess, is where they, they thought the problem was. That oh, is instantly. not the part that's on, right. That, okay, that's not the part that's on fire. It is that the rubber buildup, especially on tracks where there's big tire wear, such as Darlington, all that rubber is getting built up in there, which does burn and that's what gets in there and is what is burning from, and this is going by from what I've heard uh, through the radio shows that I've listened to. So as Mike said, that NASCAR's plan is to put a piece in that's going to block that and prevent that rubber or anything from getting in there where it can catch fire. Um, Obviously there is a concern with it. We have seen a couple throughout the year, primarily from what I heard, it was with the Fords. Uh, Why that is, I don't know. And nobody seems to, but there is a concern, and it needs to be addressed. I still don't know that it, they're going about it in the right way. In this case, this week, uh, Kevin Harvard very vocal. As Tommy talked about, I appreciate him er- expressing his opinion and trying to get attention drawn to it. I'm not sure it was in the right manner. Now, you have to kind of excuse it. As Tommy mentioned, he ended up having to bail out of the car uh in the race and did not have a good finish and affects his championship run and they interviewed him you know I have a camera and a mic in his face right afterwards yeah the way he says things probably going to be a little more poignant than had he had a day or so to then come forward and talk about it and say he has a genuine safety concern so kind of got to give him a pass but also he's been doing this <laughs> again Tommy said for a long time uh, he knows what he's doing, and he wants to do it his way.
0: Yep, that is so true. And and you know, Kevin, I just wish they wouldn't do it so publicly and so negative on NASCAR, uh, because it's not NASCAR is trying to do everything they can, um, they can do in order to uh, address some of these issues. And to I forget who said it now. This is the first time this particular failure has happened in a car uh i was listening uh uh to Corey Lejoy, who was on with danielle trotta earlier today on sirius xm radio and he brought up a really good point i thought and something that kind of puts it into perspective uh and he's just saying um let's see there are 36 or 37 cars uh, at a time on the track, times the 26 races for the year, and that comes to about 936 to 973 Cup Series next-gen cars on the track per year. Now, counting on two hands with maybe a couple of extra fingers, uh, and, and those are his words, uh, incidents involving spec parts this year comes to around 1%. So LaJoy feels the media has been overly critical of what nascar has accomplished with the next gen car this year uh obviously he agrees with all of us that safety is the priority uh and that cars on fire are never a good thing but his point is that nascar is on top of it and doing everything possible to fix the issues which some have already been resolved and this issue with Carvic, by the way uh it sounds like they've come up with a solution already for that uh, and again, just keeping in mind that that's Corey LaJoy's point of view, uh, and I was just sharing it on our Teams app. But, um I think he makes a really good point. I think it's real easy when you have one or two very vocal drivers, uh, and that it can be taken out of perspective sometimes of what's happening. And when you consider uh, that it's 1%. I, I have to agree with Corey LaJoy. That's pretty darn good for the first year of this next-gen car. It's an ongoing process. They knew that coming into the season that it was going to be an ongoing process and that things were not going to be perfect, but that they were going to try to do everything they can uh, to resolve any issues that come up. Uh, and I think they've done a pretty good job of being – uh uh on top of those kinds of things. Now if I was Harvick and I was in that car and it was burning the way it was and I had to jump out of it, uh, and then give an interview almost not immediately, but almost immediately after that, I'd be pretty, um, uh, quote unquote hot as well. So, uh pun intended there and I know <laughs> uh Mike you had a similar pun earlier. Um but yeah, I th- I th- I think he has every reason to be upset. Uh I just wish he wouldn't degrade NASCAR uh when he expresses his uh displeasure. Uh and it it makes the sport look bad. It makes it makes the whole organization look bad and I have to agree with Tommy, it makes him look bad. Uh, And that's what a lot of people don't realize when they fly off the handle that way, is that sometimes it makes them look as bad as what it is they're criticizing. So I I think that as professional race car drivers, uh, maybe, and maybe as a media people, maybe we don't jump on somebody that quickly after they get out of a hot, burning car uh, and ask for an interview maybe we need to give a little cooling off time before we we jump in and ask those kinds of questions but um he has every right to be upset i get that part of it uh but i do think that nascar was very responsive in getting this taken care of and i think they've been pretty responsive all season long in addressing the issues as they come up so mike i'm curious to hear your thoughts
8: All right, so this is going to be probably the most political answer that I could give here. And I'm going to say that everyone has really good points here, including Kevin Harvick. And Kevin Harvick is an old-school racer. He's been racing in NASCAR for over 20 years now in the Cup Series, and obviously he had an upbringing in racing long, long before he got into the NASCAR Cup Series. And over the course of Kevin Harvick's career – uh, he has seen less and less and less control in the hands of the teams in terms of the cars they build, the equipment they use, etc. as NASCAR has specified uh, a much tighter tolerance on materials that are used, equipment that is used, and now the car itself. And I think there's probably a little bit of frustration on his part there because, at least from one standpoint, when you're the one building the car, you're the one preparing the car, you're the one who's responsible for that car, and – if it was a Stuart Haas racing-built car that failed him, he's really got no one to point the figure except at his own, his own race shop, but he's frustrated because the car that was provided to him did not work as advertised, Their advertised did not catch on fire, you would assume, and it, it kind of let him down, and I can see how he's frustrated about that. Uh, from a technical standpoint, Roddy Childers actually put out a video on Instagram yesterday kind of highlighting the problem. and. It seems like it's not just a burning rubber issue. Rodney kind of highlights that the insulation that's used in some spots in this car, including around the rocker box that caught fire on Kevin's car, is not necessarily fire retardant. To demonstrate this, Rodney took a piece of what he called good insulation, didn't say what it was, whether it was apart from a Gen 6 car or what, but he put a clump of rubber on it and put a blowtorch to the rubber. And the rubber itself burned there, but that's it. It didn't spread to the insulation. It even went so far as to put the blowtorch on the insulation itself, and that never caught fire. It seems like the problem with the Gen 7 car that hopefully they're addressing with this change starting this weekend is, yes, rubber does burn. Yes, rubber does catch fire from time to time. The problem is the fire going uncontrolled and spreading into places that shouldn't catch on fire, namely the insulation in the car, the body of the car, stuff like that. So I applaud NASCAR for coming up with hopefully a solution to the problem that the four car had this past weekend, but hopefully they can readdress it maybe in the off season and replace some of these materials that aren't as fire retardant as maybe they should be with a different material that won't allow a fire to spread versus just trying it, – it, it looks like the, the – The fix NASCAR has right now is an attempt to keep the fire contained into the spot where it's relatively safe as far as fires in a race car go. And I think the next step to a a more permanent solution for this would be addressing some of the materials in that car that are capable of catching fire when they are exposed to a different kind of fire. So if, if oil leaks out of the engine and catches on fire, that fire from the oil doesn't spread to some other part of the car. So hopefully NASCAR is able to address that in a more permanent manner this week or this off-season and make these cars just a little bit more safe from a fire retardant standpoint.
0: Okay, Tommy, your follow-up.
2: Yeah,
3: um, you know, NASCAR will definitely take the off-season to work on some of these problems that the uh, drivers have been griping about. Of course, with the safety concerns, you won't be them back quickly but you know there's only like what, two months left now november september october november yes yeah, So you will have december and january to make the adjustments because i'm sure they're already working on the mail but um yeah you know like i said the interview with harvick you kind of like the reporters going up to him right after the fact because even though it wasn't the best interview, like, he's probably looking back on it saying maybe I shouldn't have said that, but, you know, at the same time, it's hard. I I, he's probably not thinking that, but um, <laughs> it doesn't look the best, like I'm saying. Like, it, it makes him look sassy and hateable like Kyle Bush, but at the same time, it's good entertainment for him to, you know, say those things. Because so you get a good laugh out of it and stuff, but you would think at some point, I mean, like him saying we need somebody to run the show better, I mean, that's a, that's a hot take, um, and if I was an executive at NASCAR, I wouldn't be too happy about him saying that, and I would probably say something, but um, if that's what Harvey's got to say to get their attention on this particular matter, then, you know, I get it, but I like the idea of letting them maybe cool off and then doing the interview. But either way, I mean, we've seen it before where they've gone to the care center and been out of the care center. So, I mean, it's been 10, 15 minutes after the crash, and they they still got hot takes to say. So, I mean, they're they're still going to be hot. So, either way, just let them, I guess, do the interview, and we'll just talk about the drama like we're doing now.
0: (laughs) Okay, Jay.
11: Well, I think I think it's odd that Tommy would uh, compare him to Kyle Bush, you know, because sometimes teammates act alike. Oh, wait, they're not teammates yet. We don't know that. Sorry. Different topic. <laughs> um, we'll see what happens there. <coughs> the issue there uh, obviously has been addressed. There's a couple other that linger as part of this. I know talking about whether or not the media should talk to them, and that's on the drivers then on how they handle themselves. The media's job is to interview them, and and I heard this discussion on uh Sirius XM speedwear Dave Moody. Their job is to try and talk to them. If they decline interviews, so be it. If they go on a rant, so be it. You know, if they give short one word answers, such as Kyle Busch at Institute, that's their choice. And, and like we said, Kevin Harvick knows what he's doing. He's been doing this for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. the one thing I think that clearly clearly it shows that what Kevin Harvick is saying isn't true is Between the end of the race on Sunday and today, NASCAR did not come up with this plan. This has obviously been in the works, and they were ready to bring it forward. You didn't hear a whole lot of them about it up until now. Um, I understand that, and and Dave Booty kind of made that point that maybe NASCAR should have been at least replying um, to some of these calls, but they had a plan ready. It did not happen over the last day and a half. This has been being worked on. It takes time. So that counters what Kevin Harvick's saying is that they don't care and aren't doing anything about it. It's they're working on it in silence, if you will. And when they're prepared and ready to make the change, they do so. So I think that kind of counters, like you said, what what Harvick's saying and makes him look as the bad one on the deal of that they don't care. Now, can they improve or whatever? And if drivers and teams and owners and all of them work together, most definitely. And, Sharon, I know you're one that's a big component of this. That's how it needs to be done.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, working with NASCAR, and I hope Rodney Childers isn't just putting the video out on Twitter and expecting NASCAR to respond to it. He needs to be taking that information directly to NASCAR and showing NASCAR that that's what he's discovered so that they can do something about it. Um, and And Again, then NASCAR has to turn around and go and work with the vendors to make sure that the vendors can can make the changes that they're looking at as well. And how soon can they make the changes? Uh, And they said that this change that they just implemented uh, with the rocker panel um, is something that they can put into place. Uh, let's see, a piece will be added to the rocker boxes for this weekend. The piece will be available from the supplier in the morning so that teams can install it tomorrow. Also, um, uh, which his name? Scott Miller, was on uh, SiriusXM uh, the morning drive this morning, and I posted his interview here on our Teams app, but it's also available on, on – um, Oh, what do I want to say? On Twitter, it's also available
11: and was
0: posted uh, uh, by SiriusXM NASCAR Radio, uh, if anybody wants to listen to that. Uh, And and he said it is a process that these things have to go through, uh, and they are – continuously working on uh, all of these issues that are coming up. It it may not be going as fast as we want it to go, but it doesn't mean that they're not working on it behind the scenes uh, and with the vendors and and the suppliers and, and the people that they work with. All of that has to be coordinated, and it takes time to have those conversations and to make those things happen. So I think Jay makes a good point. Uh, for them to come up with that solution as quickly as they did uh, may mean that they were kind of on the road to that as a solution anyway. Um, And I know that this seems like it might be a little bit different, but I think rubber has played uh, 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 the rubber on the road, uh, the marbles is what we call it, uh that get up into the car i think that has been an issue for some of these other fires that are going on too maybe not even with the rocker panel maybe with the rocker panel uh but for other areas of the car as well so um you know i i do applaud nascar for being on top of it I, i have no doubt whatsoever that safety is a priority with NASCAR, and they want to do everything they possibly can do to make the drivers safe in that car that that 's not even a question in my mind uh, so um, if if there are parts and pieces that can be improved upon, uh, I think they're open to doing that, uh, and I think they 've shown that so uh, for Harvick to say some of the things that he said, uh, just like I said before, and what Tommy has been saying, it does reflect poorly on the sport, uh, for and, and on himself uh, to say some of those things. Uh, does he have a point? He probably has a really good point, but the point's getting lost in the rhetoric that he, in the manner in which he puts it out there, uh, and I don't know if it's totally been lost. But a lot of people just kinda of roll their eyes and say there's Harvey going off the handle again. Um so he he might find a different way that might be more advantageous to himself and to the sport, uh, for making those points. Uh in in a way that doesn't reflect so poorly on the sport the people who are running the sport and himself. So just some thoughts there. Mike.
8: So this might come as a surprise, but I, I'm going to kind of disagree with you a little bit about I don't think Harvick really has much of a responsibility in terms of putting the sport in the best light possible. He's going to say yeah. what he's yeah. going to say. And and his uh, his take, it kind of goes along with what he said around the Daytona race, where his frustration is he feels like NASCAR is not moving quick enough or not uh, they're not willing to spend the time, money, or resources it takes to make the changes. Now, with that said, obviously NASCAR had something in the works here that they were able to quickly implement to fix the rocker box failure. That's great news. What it kind of alludes to, though, is there may be a breakdown in communication between NASCAR and their R&D department who are working on these fixes and the teams themselves. So if NASCAR is concerned about some of the comments the drivers make, it may put them in a bad light. They, ne- they might need to address their communication process between the NASCAR R&D department and the teams to say, hey, we've got this change coming. We're working on this solution right now. It's not quite ready yet, but we want you to know we're on it, as opposed to leaving drivers in the position like Kevin Harvick seemed to have been in, where he has seen or heard no action coming on the situation. And he was just in a situation that could have been very dangerous to him. So I could see how he would be concerned about that. And an improved communication process between the people at NASCAR who are developing these solutions and the teams who are expected to implement them, and then the drivers who are expected to to put their safety in the hands of this equipment, I think that process can be improved. And it might break down some of these issues where – whether it's a miscommunication or a bad take from the driver, however you want to look at it, I think it could help remedy that situation.
0: Okay. while I agree with you uh, as it relates to the communication. I think that's a really good point. Uh, I 100% disagree that Kevin Harvick has no obligation to represent this sport. He is this sport, and he does have – an obligation to represent this sport in a positive light. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make sense for somebody who is a part of a sport to disparage that sport publicly uh, and to think that uh, that's going to be okay because it's it's just not. <laughs> so I, I disagree with that point, but your point about the communication, Mike, I think is right on. Okay, Tommy, you get to uh, – take
3: us to the next top topic well I'm sure y'all have talked about this one a couple times but I haven't gotten a chance to yet uh, let's go with um, where is Kyle Bush going to go RCR 23 XI or calling
0: okie uh Jay
11: Uh Sharon, do you want to want to look at the time there real quick and do that first.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, let me go ahead and do that. I was looking for this topic on here. Uh we are at that point of the show uh that I do an announcement for all of our first time listeners. Uh, because we don't want you to be caught off guard or not really understand what's going on. Uh, We're going to be going off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, but we are going to continue our conversation, and we will record that part of our conversation as part of our bonus overtime material. Uh, And that uh, will be available on our podcast. Now, what I do is when we're completed... Our conversation here tonight, I'll go out on Twitter as well as Facebook and let everyone know that the podcast is now available. And we have the player there at bamparacing.com. All you have to do is go to the player and fast-forward to the two-hour mark in order to hear the rest of the conversation, that bonus overtime material uh, that you can't hear on the live broadcast. So,
2: again... We
0: didn't want anyone to be caught off guard and not know where where they can hear the rest of the conversation or how that uh, works. And that's why we do that announcement at this time of the show. So with that, Jay, go ahead with your response.
11: Well, I know I joked about this with the, with the Kevin Harvick deal when Tommy m- mentioned that. Um, it's still a, an unknown to us. Uh, several... Sources have indicated that a deal is probably, if not inked, um, agreed upon. The way Kyle has been the last couple weeks with answering the question uh, appears that he knows what he's going to do. It just isn't public yet. Um, For the public, we're still kind of guessing. And uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to, I think, share some of Mike's crow because I said I really thought he was going to be back at Joe Gibbs Racing. It does not appear to be going down that road as there's a lot more talk about Chevy um, with colleg Racing and Richard Childress Racing. I know that the Ford team of Stuart Haas Racing has come come up a couple of times, and Kyle has said he has had talks with these teams. I know Colleg Racing announced that they are ready to make an announcement. We don't know what that is, and I can't remember what the date on that is, but it it really seems like it's leaning towards Richard Childress racing, which I find kind of odd. And then you got several other things that come into play of does Tyler Reddick move next year, Um, even though he was under contract. So there's a lot of things still going on behind the scenes that we don't know yet. Uh, It's going to be interesting because like I said, I really thought he would return to Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, I'm losing the, I don't want to say faith, but uh, belief in that anyway. Um, like I had to begin with. Uh, It's not looking good from what I can tell. Now, again, that might be totally different. We don't know yet.
0: Okay, Mike.
8: Yeah, it's kind of wild. What was it, a month, maybe six weeks ago, I was standing there stomping my foot on the ground saying, for sure, Kyle Busch isn't leaving Joe Gibbs Racing, no way, no how, no sir. And uh, here I am, bellying up to a plate full of crow with Jay, apparently, because it sounds like Joe Gibbs Racing isn't even in in the discussion anymore. Uh, It sounds like it's a a done deal, foregone conclusion no matter what. Kyle Busch is not coming back to Joe Gibbs Racing next year. The interesting thing, though, is that 2311 is still in the discussion. I think a lot of us, at least myself, uh, we kind of assume that if Kyle leaves Joe Gibbs Racing, that means he's leaving Toyota. Yes, 2311 is an independent team, but Toyota, they've, they've got a pretty small tent. And they're all 2311 and Joe Gibbs Racing are very closely affiliated, not just with Denny Hamlin on the ownership side, but there's a lot of information sharing, part sharing, et cetera. And, of course, they all fall under the TRD Toyota umbrella. So the assumption was that if Kyle were to leave Joe Gibbs Racing, he wouldn't be in a Toyota at all next year, period, but now 23 is on the table. Does that mean Kurt isn't coming back at all? I, I hope he does. I really do. I would hate to see his career end, and he goes into retirement on a concussion injury. That would really be a terrible way for Kurt Bush to go out. But, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's going to be what it's going to be. I don't know. Uh, the colleague racing side is interesting. Um, uh, colleague Racing has not made an announcement yet for their full-time driver lineup for 2023. And, oh, by the way, Justin Haley kind of cryptically slipped in last week at Daytona. that He said, quote, I'm racing for my life here. And that kind of implies that maybe Justin Haley's future colleague is not very secure. Uh, he has not performed He's had a couple of good moments here and there, but he's not performed particularly well in that number 31 car for cauley Racing this year in the Cup Series. So maybe Justin Haley is on his way out and Kyle Busch is in the 31 car for Cauley Racing next year? I don't know. Richard Childress Racing officially had no comment when questioned about it this weekend at Darlington, and I don't know where Kyle Busch would end up at. They could let Tyler Reddick go a year early. He's still on contract with Richard Childress for the 2023 season. He's not moving to 2311 until 2024. So does Richard Childress let Tyler Reddick go early to take Kyle Busch and put him in the eight car? Or do they try and stand up a third team, bring back the 29, or, or whatever that they would do to stand up a third team? I don't know that Richard Childress Racing currently has the resources to do that. Um, the other Richard Childress-affiliated team – namely Petty GMS. Well, the 43, I'm pretty sure. Well, Eric Jones already signed for the 43. He's not going anywhere, especially after just winning the Southern 500 this past weekend. Uh, and Noah Gregson has already signed, and I'm assuming that, that, that ink is dry. Noah Gregson's going to be driving the 42 next year, and there's no way Petty GMS expands to a three-car team. So it's real interesting to see where this goes. It's kind of like one of those Wheel of Fortune spinning wheels where you just kind of spin it and see where the, the pointer lands because I don't know.
0: Well, I think there's plenty of crow to go around. I think all of us were pretty much saying that we thought uh, he was going to stay with Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, and then all of that changed. Uh, And, you know, we realized that that was not going to happen. And you're right, the top three uh, organizations that I've seen are 2311, Colleague Racing, and RCR. I've also seen HMS as a possibility moving one of their drivers over to RCR. Um, But I don't don't know (laughs) what's going to happen. But I do know that Kyle Busch is interested not just in himself having a driver's seat for the 2023 season and beyond. He is concerned about how his organization, Kyle Busch Motorsports, is going to fit into uh, the equation. And so, you know, when you look at that, uh, there's a lot of things that can happen. Uh, none of these teams right now, uh, maybe RCR to a small degree, uh, have uh, an investment in the uh, Camping World Truck Series where KBM – Primarily resides. Maybe KBM is going to move to an Xfinity series organization next year. Maybe there's just so many maybes uh, that can play into this equation that it makes it almost impossible to really figure out where that spinner is going to stop. Uh, when when all is said and done. I I tend to agree with Jay. I think it is already said and done. It's just that they're, they're probably having fun watching all of us try to figure it out um, until they can uh, make the announcement. But uh, the reason the announcement hasn't been made yet is probably because there are some other dominoes that have to fall before an announcement can be made. So uh, I, I tend to think that this is already a done deal. It's just that the rest of us don't really know what it is yet. And so we're having fun kind of uh, wondering where that spinner is going to stop. Uh, but uh, there are just so many maybles, maybes, uh, it's hard to make that prediction, unless you got a crystal ball. Tommy, you got a crystal ball over at your house?
3: No, but... Um... I have my hopes up that he's going to RCR. Um, so, like y'all are saying, there's so many possibilities here. But uh, I did, I thought about this last week um, before I went on the show, and I was waiting to see if a rumor would pop up on Twitter, and it did, and I saw it today. Um, so, one that y'all did not say was Hendrick. And what everybody yeah. is thinking is, is well, Hendrick is pretty well set. Well, what I saw on Twitter today, and it's Twitter, so take it for what it is, it said that it was in between two teams and then two other teams. Two teams that are still fighting are Richard Childress and 23X5. The odd men out but were still in the running were Colleague and Hendrick. And then it said in parentheses that Hendrick was willing to move on from Bowman or Byron to get Kyle Busch. And I was like, wow. Because, I mean, I already figured, you know, Elliott and Larson were locks. So I pretty much knew it would be between Byron and Bowman. And I would think they would go with Bowman because I've heard Rick Hendrick speak about uh, Byron over the past two years. And I feel like Byron would be safe. And he is in the 24 24th arcade. And Bowman's losing his crew chief. So I was thinking, you know, Kyle Bush, Ally, forty eight car, get a new crew chief. Never say never. I and mean, they swooped sort of in and they got Kyle Larson. I guess Rick Hendrick is trying to just build the all dream team of NASCAR where he's got Elliot, Bush, Larson and Byron. I mean, who else can he snag? Is he gonna go five car? But anyway. Um <laughs> I personally i want r c r because um people aren't going to like my opinion here probably but let's let's go ahead and say Bush does go to the, uh to r c r next year I think they go ahead and move Tyler reddick to twenty three x by put him in the forty five car let Bubba be in the twenty three car go ahead and put ty Gibbs in the 18 to round out the lineup with Hamlin Shrvex and Bell. And then RCR has um, Austin Dillon. He can stay in a three-car if he wants to, but I would prefer to see him switch to the eight or the 31 car or something. Let's put Kyle Busch in that three-car. Let's paint it black again, and let's let (laughs) Kyle Busch move people out of the way like the Intimidator did. That would be amazing. (laughs) And I know that people don't like that, but, I mean, his nickname is Rowdy. The 51 car, Days of Thunder, the driver was Rowdy. The car was black. We need to put Kyle Bush in a black number three car and let him, let him go.
0: All right, Jay. What are your thoughts about that? Are you on mute, uh, I,
11: Yeah, no, I was still on mute. I, I was trying to uh, make sure I didn't. There are a couple there that if I got to eat crow down the road, so be it. I know you can ne- never say never, but... HMS, I saw some of the scenarios with that, and, yeah, there are some pieces you could connect to make that happen, but I don't see it happening. It just, I think that one was somebody of just saying, hey, this is the most outrageous possibility. Uh, I know Kyle has talked about his history after he left Hendrick and that, you know, that was partly on him and that, you know, he burned that bridge. Um, I don't know if it's been repaired, rebuilt, but – Going to RCR, um, there's a couple things here. One that got discussed of if Joe Gibbs uh, can't find sponsorship, a clearly top powerhouse team running for championships, if they can't find sponsorship to pay Kyle, how is it another team? And and I I know there's improvement. We've seen Richard Childress Racing um, improve. They have two drivers in the playoffs at this point. They're on the uprise. But where are they coming with then from sponsorship? That's going to pay Kyle if Joe Gibbs Racing can't get it. So, and I think Toyota has a big chip in this. Uh, Sharon brought this up again before I could. That truck series, Kyle talked about it. You know his his organization. Now you mentioned the possibility of maybe moving to the Xfinity series, and that's an interesting thought. Um, other than Kyle has said he was no longer running Xfinity when he had his hundred, and he runs his maximum number whether it be seven or whatever um each year in order to provide the sponsorship because they put a lot on kyle and then whoever else he puts in the team for the rest of the year so that's a huge factor and i would think toyota uh as we've seen that that kbm motorsports in the truck series with toyota has been dominant for years whether they win the championship that's one where we've seen them win the owner's championship but not the driver's championship um really would come into play so i'm still not real sure uh it's all there's a lot of things you can uh, speculate on uh i can shoot down mike's thought there he said something about gms eric jones isn't going anywhere he just won the southern uh 500 i'm pretty sure reddick won a race and then announced he was leaving so <laughs> it happened
0: okay mike do you have a favorite uh, destination
11: so i've got
8: a radical theory here and this is just a theory it's only speculation but if you pay attention to kyle bush when they interview him the past couple weeks or so he gets this little smirk on his face like he's he's got something up his sleeve and i'm almost thinking maybe it's going to be like a brad keselowski kind of move where Uh it's not just he's going to go drive somebody else's car i think he's going to go and make a radical move that's going to change a whole lot of things and Every driver loves trophies. Eric Jones just got a, a, a hat from Richard Petty for winning the Southern 500, which is an awesome trophy. And you know who else likes trophies? Matt Collie. And Matt Collie makes no secret of the fact that he's in racing to go get trophies. And who gets them? Kyle Busch. I think, this is my theory, I think Kyle Busch takes an ownership stake in Collie racing, kind of like Brad Kozlowski did at Rash Fenway. And what does that do? Well, it gives Kyle Busch a ride in the Cup Series, obviously driving for Matt Colleague, but it also gives Matt Colleague a turnkey truck series championship contending four trucks uh, to go win more trophies with. That's going to be associated with Kyle Busch or Kyle Busch Colleague Racing, whatever they would call it. And, oh, by the way, Colleague still has an Xfinity operation, and now Colleague has a potential championship contending Cup operation. If I was a betting man, and, and if I was going to make a, a, an earth-shattering kind of move if I was Kyle Bush, that might be something I would look at.
0: I'm getting scared. You and I are agreeing way too much, Mike. <laughs> um, you well, took I mean, the we can talk right about now.
8: NASCAR's PR department some more if you want. <laughs>
0: But i got to tell you, you took the words right out of my mouth. College is where I think is the most likely place for Kyle Busch to land, and it's because of his KBM team. Um, I don't see him taking an ownership stake at RCR. That's going to be the Dillon uh, family. That's going to be taking any kind of stake in ownership at RCR. HMS, the bridge has already been burnt there. 23XI. I, or 2311, I think if that were going to happen, it's certainly still a possibility, but I still think if that were going to happen, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing and, and everybody associated with Toyota would not have, have said it's pretty much dead. So I don't think 23XI is in, in the, on the table, although people are saying it is. So that leaves us with calling, and for all the reasons that Mike said, Colleague would love to have uh, those four teams of Kyle Busch Motorsports in the um, in the Truck Series, and I don't think he would be opposed to uh, having a co-owner uh, join him, especially a big name driver like Kyle Busch. The only problem uh, that I might see there, and I don't know what the relationship is or how this might evolve, is Kyle Busch is not always the easiest person to get along with. And I think the interesting thing with that scenario would be Matt Colling and Kyle Bush and how they might get along together uh, as co-owners because uh, Kyle Busch is a very opinionated guy and not always the easiest person to get along with. Matt Colleague on the other hand, seems to be a wonderful guy and actually matt collig might be the perfect person for kyle bush to be with because there might be some things that he that kyle bush can i don't know if he's still in a learning mode or not but that kyle bush could learn from matt collig on how to develop a race team and build that camaraderie because the camaraderie at collig racing is fantastic and um i i think matt collig has a lot to do with that so I think that there, there could be some really good things that could happen with a matchup with Kyle Busch and uh, Matt Colleg and Colleg Racing and the co-ownership there and picking up that uh, that um, truck series team, uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports. So to me, that seems like the most logical place. And I think Kyle Busch might be attracted to the idea of learning from that colleague on how to build that camaraderie and that teamwork atmosphere. Um, and so I think, I think that could happen at college racing. Just my thoughts, Tommy.
3: Yeah, I saw the calling thing too, about how he was possibly offered ownership, uh, ownership in that, like see. Um, Like we're all saying, you know, RCR seems like a destination. Returning to Toyota seems like a destination. Going to Calling seems like a destination. Um, You know, I don't see Hendrick happening either because they've got four great guys already and Elliott, um, Marson, Byron, and Bowman. But I still, I mean, maybe the bridge was burned, but, you know, Rick Hendrick still went out, and got Kyle Larson, um, took him away from Tony Stewart. Looks like Tony Stewart lost out on Kyle Busch again. So maybe Hendrick does bring him back. But um, you know, the thing about calling this is this: um, yes, Kyle Busch gets to move his four trucks, and calling gets his truck team. Uh, they keep the Xfinity Series team, and they go across all three three series. That would be awesome. But what do they do? Do they have – do they keep Justin Haley in the 31 car? Does that become Kyle Busch? What about the car that – because, in my opinion, uh, you know, I know AJ wants to do the Xfinity Series because he's winning in that. Um, But when he is in the cup car and they go to road courses, he's competitive. And they go to, like, seven road courses a year now. I don't see why they don't pull up Almond Digger in that 16 car and let him run full-time next year with Justin Haley. So maybe they go three-car. I don't know. I'm just, you know, this, that's an option, too. But also with calling, besides that the road courses and super speedways, I still think that they have a long ways to go with their uh, equipment and team building. However, if Kyle Bush went to RCR, I'm mean, going to look at Tyler Reddick, you know, he's competing for a championship. And also builds in the playoffs, too, but in my opinion, he's going to be one of the first guys to get eliminated. I'm sorry. But um, Kyle Bush can go to RCR, and they're already competitive, and he can be competing for championships. And he gets to drive for a legendary owner, and, you know, maybe he gets a, a, you know, a great number, the three-car, the 29-car, the 30-car. I mean, who knows? But, um, or the eight car, which would be ironic, uh, since, uh, Junior and Bush had beats in the early or the late 2000s. So uh, it'd be ironic for him to drop the eight car. So I can see where fans wouldn't like it. I'm not saying that I would like it because I'm not a big Kyle Bush fan. But the guy is good and he is, he does have. Some great interviews, even though his sassiness can be too much to me sometimes. I prefer Harvick's sassiness over Bush's sassiness, but I feel Kyle Bush is still important to the sport. And him going to RCR or colleague and making that a championship team would be awesome.
0: Okay, well, round and round the spinner goes, and where it stops, uh, Kyle Bush knows. So we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's possible that they're waiting for, you know, whoever he's replacing uh, to be able to find another ride and uh, be able to make that announcement before they announce Kyle Bush in that spot. So just just an additional thought there. Jay, you get to bring up our next hot topic. And actually, Jay, why don't you go ahead and give an update on our uh, fantasy group?
11: All right. Yes, please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you aren't winning yet, Mike, you're just face. doing better. <laughs> uh for the truck series, they got one round ra- or two rounds, two races into their playoffs, so those big points are still available here. Uh Andy's got the lead at one hundred points, ninety two for Owen, Mike at ninety and third, Tommy at eighty seven, Sam seventy nine, Brian seventy six, uh Sharon, you're at seventy four but you're ahead of me and James. James at 71, and I'm at 68. I am not having a good truck year at all. On the Xfinity side, Andy at the top here uh, as well at 120, but Brian right with him at 115. James making the surge, 104. I'm at 97. Sam, 94. Mike, 93. Tommy, 89. And Owen and Sharon at 87, tied there. The truck series, uh, I'm sorry, the cup series. Uh, Brian's got control of this one at 156, but we're into the playoff double points. might come up to 142. James is 141. Sharon, 140. Uh, I'm a little behind there at 136. Owen, 131. Sam, 127. And Andy and Tommy tied at 120. So the overall, if you heard the names at the top, it's Brian, 347. Andy three forty. Mike now up to third three twenty five. James three sixteen. Owen three ten. Uh me and Sharon uh neck and neck there three oh one, Sam at three hundred, and Tommy two ninety six. So yeah, there were there were some changes, definitely some points made up this weekend.
0: I guess so. Uh, but congratulations to everybody as we uh, continue down this road to uh, the season finales in all three series. Okay, Jay, do you have a hot topic for us?
11: Well, the, the schedule. I know uh, I saw where they're expecting that again shortly. Um, you know, there's always the case where they don't want to interrupt the, or take attention away from the playoffs and that and getting going, so maybe holding off for that reason. It looks like maybe the All-Star race is the only one still really being, discussed and slotted as far as overall. Uh, I know we're going to see some changes the Chicago race and how that all lays out, but we expect the schedule for all three series here, um, again, I say shortly, within a month or so, I think.
0: Okay. Uh, next on the list here is uh, Mike.
8: Yeah, the uh, this is, uh, I think, referencing a Bob Pocker's Street talking about how the, the schedule is not Quite done, but pretty close. Uh, We know some things for it. For example, we know Bristol's still going to have two dates, one with dirt in the spring and then the traditional uh, concrete race in the fall. Talladega's already announced that they will be keeping their spring and their fall races. We know about the loss of Road America in exchange for the Chicago street race. Um, Other pieces that I've heard rumors about, rumor that Kansas or Richmond or both may lose a date No idea where that other date might go to, whether we will see a new track added to the schedule or a track that currently only has one date, get a second date. No idea there, but I have heard Richmond and Kansas in the talks of potentially losing a date uh, for next season. But again, that's just rumor. Other than that, Interested to see where they go. They've made a couple pretty radical changes here over the past few years. Obviously, putting a Chicago street race in the schedule that we know is coming next year is already a radical change that they're going to make for 2023, so I'm really interested to see what else they add.
0: Okay. Tommy?
3: Yeah, Me too. I'm excited to see what else uh, they add. Um I was thinking along those lines too. Like we already know, Road America's not going to be back because they sacrificed that for the road course. I did not hear that they were going to consider getting rid of Richmond and um, Kansas because they have two dates. However, I'm uh, definitely for that. Um, I'm okay with Richmond losing a date, and I'm okay with um, Kansas losing a date. Another track that I think could lose a date that maybe two races a year is Phoenix. Um, where, what other track deserves two races. Uh, you know, they've rotated the schedule a lot over the past few years, like Mike paying it to, and um, I like that too. But whatever they do, let's not give Texas an extra day. I'm sorry. I just, I have to bring it up. I feel like I have to bring it up every podcast. <laughs> just kidding. Um, uh, I'm wondering if the truck or Xfinity series, will add uh, North wilkes I don't think they will because I think they're going to repave it, but there has been talkings that they don't want to repave the track. Maybe that's just fan gripes and they're going to do it anyway, but it would be cool to see them add it back onto the schedule for the truck or affinity series. Um, I really don't know who would get the other dates for Richmond and um, Kansas if they replace, if they get rid of those two. there's a lot of options, and, you know, well, I definitely say that Darlington has earned it to have two races a year, which, in my opinion, it never should have lost one of the race. But let's not change that. Keep those. Keep Talladega. Keep Daytona. Keep Bristol. Uh, keep Martinsville. Atlanta, I think, deserves two now because it's basically a super speedway. Um, I don't know. I've, Maybe add another road course, as crazy as that sounds, or add another short track. I think that's the only two things that I would I would add another road course and I would add a, another short track.
0: Okay. I, too, am very interested in hearing about the schedule for the 2023 season. Uh, the source, uh, Bob Pacras, says the All-Star right site does appear to be the one thing that NASCAR is still discussing and trying to finalize. Uh, I'm curious to know what that, where that site's going to be. Uh, what site do you think they've chosen for that all-star race? Um, uh, apparently, uh, probably not Texas Motor Speedway. There's been a lot of complaints about it being at Texas Motor Speedway, so I'm looking for them to be changing that location for the next season, uh, but we'll have to wait and see what happens um and and when that comes out uh, he said he would expect it in the next couple of weeks uh, but he also says I would have said that a month ago so um, I think once they get this all-star thing straightened out uh, we will see the schedule uh, for the next to the season uh, and I like you guys I uh, can't wait to see what, what kind of changes are on there if there's any tracks uh, that lose a date any new tracks that we haven't seen before on the schedule um, I think it's all going to be very very interesting Jay your thoughts
11: well I know we're coming short on time here so I'll make this quick I'm looking forward to the release with anticipation I expect there's going to be some things I maybe don't like already known, the Chicago street race. I don't think that was a especially taking it from Road America, but um, I trust in NASCAR, and, and we've seen, like you, somebody else mentioned there, they're willing to make some bold moves. Um, I hadn't heard Richmond or Kansas deals. Uh, I would have to see what they do with it because that I don't see as a good move, but um, I'm also open to seeing maybe North wilkes as Tommy mentioned Iowa Speedway. Those are ones I would like to see. We'll see what NASCAR does, but I'm sure I'll have an opinion on it when it gets released, uh whenever it does here, and we will have that hot topic discussion. The one you mentioned there, the all-star race, and I got no idea other than it probably isn't going to go back to Texas, as Sharon mentioned. A uh, lot of fans, Tommy, have made several complaints, multiple by Tommy. Um, so <laughs> you're right, and I, and and, I can't and argue with that. Well, yeah, <laughs> No, I, that one, uh, Mike might have got outvoiced on that one by Tommy. Tommy's been very, and like I said, I'm one, accept it for what it is. It can be better. I think it is time for it to move from Texas. I, I would have to agree. Uh, as I've always said, I'd like to see it go somewhere else every year. Again, there's a lot that goes into that, logistics, uh, marketing, and everything else, understand. And that's why I try not to be too critical of any schedule changes they make I'm not the one that has to pay for it and cover it and make it happen. So, um, But, like I said, I do anticipate there may be being some dislike to it when it does come out, but I'm looking forward to it.
0: Okay, Mike?
8: Yeah, again, I'll try and keep this quick as well. Um, if we lose a Kansas or a Richmond date, I'm not going to be particularly heartbroken. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out if either one of those lose a date or if another track loses their second race date in favor of some other ones. Tracks I would like to see added, well, let's hit the tracks I don't think are going to be on there. One, I don't think North Wilkesboro is going to be on there. And two, another one that's gotten a lot of talk, I don't think the National Fairgrounds is going to be on there. They may eventually make it onto the schedule in future seasons, but I don't think either one of those facilities are ready yet to host a NASCAR Cup series race. Hopefully in the future that changes, and we do see racing at both Nashville Fairgrounds and North Wilkesboro, but I don't think that's going to happen in 2023. Now, as far as the tracks I'd like to see added to the schedule, uh, Jay mentioned Iowa Speedway. I think that'd be a great addition to the, to the schedule, especially if Richmond were to lose a date. I think substituting Iowa Speedway for Richmond would be a great trade-off. They're similar tracks, but they race very differently, and I think putting a Cup Series date there and removing one from Richmond I think would be a great trade up Another change I'd like to see, and this is going to kind of sound weird because I'm very critical of this race in the past, bring it back to the Indianapolis Oval. And what I, what I think if they want to do something radical, really show off what they've done with the Gen 7 car. Do a doubleheader weekend at Indianapolis. Day one, ro- uh, the road course. Day two, the Oval show off how our, uh, this Gen 7 car is able to be converted from a speedway car into a road course car and be capable of both events in one weekend. I think that'd be a great opportunity for NASCAR to showcase their car in addition to their drivers racing on two very different types of racetracks in one weekend.
0: Okay, Tommy?
3: Yeah, I agree with you all. Um, just through a record, too, and for just to defend myself. I wasn't the only one that hated on Texas. I think Andy and Mike hated on it too, so I mean I feel like I have seen some good races in Texas, but for the most part that track's just not that good to me. That's my opinion. I did not want the all-star race there. I liked it at Bristol with the, the lights and that was just a great short track and drama. That's a great spot. Charlotte's great because it's the home track. I'd love to see it at Daytona or Talladega. I think in a perfect world, or maybe in my perfect world, the Bud Shootout goes back to Daytona on the Oval, not the road course. And the All-Star Race is the LA Clash now at the Coliseum. Now, that would be my perfect world, or, you know, at Charlotte. And um, I've never seen a race that I would, not that I know of, so it would be cool to see that track uh, get included and – I'm all for the Indy Oval being back, too. I I think the road course did have two exciting races these past couple years, but I also feel like the race could have been a lot better because there was crashes at the end that kind of just derailed the whole race and the way it went. Uh, But, you know, the Oval didn't have a good race in a long time, in my opinion. But the Oval is the classic. They should bring it back.
0: Okay, I'll make mine the quickest. I agree with all of you all. So, Jay, you get the final word.
11: As with several of the topics we've had, we'll see what happens and then discuss it. (laughs) And Mike and I (laughs) will argue about it.
0: (laughs) Okay. With that, let's go ahead and do our roundtable. Mike, we'll start with you.
8: Sure, it's Mike underscore Orzano on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Um, follow me for all exciting news, opinions, hot takes, cold takes, whatever takes you want to look out for, and uh, that's all I got.
0: Okay, Tommy.
3: At Cincinnati5Fan on Twitter, uh, give me a follow. Uh, check out my diecast and post a day date with them. still got a ton of them, that
11: I want you all to see. Okay, Jay. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter is Twitter and Instagram. as I mentioned, switching from Tennessee for the Murray County Fair over to Kentucky for the ultimate Street Stock challenge series this weekend. So may or may not be on on Thursday. And hopefully Jackson Motor Speedway, Mike, it's your your capital city Raceway. hopefully they are out from under the water uh, and can get racing in this weekend. Uh, I won't be able to be back there until the 17th. But hopefully I'll be able to at least call in for Hot Topics on Thursday as Sal picks up the uh, preview show for me.
0: Okay. Uh, Yes, we will be back here on Thursday night for our uh, weekend preview of Kansas Motor Speedway or Kansas Speedway. Uh, and uh, definitely looking forward to that Sal's going to be the co-host Monday night And hopefully we'll have Jay back For uh, Hot Topics uh, Also a big thank you uh, To all of our listeners for tuning in We really appreciate all of you And to our Fan for Racing crew Sal Segala, Jay Huseman Mike Lozell, and Tommy Craft. You guys uh, always make this a lot of fun, and uh, I look forward to doing it again on Thursday night. Uh, So with that, I think we're ready to call it a night,
8: guys.
11: Good night, everybody. Good night.